China fixed these babies. Yeah, until so the... thanks communism. <laughs> the world is getting crazier. People are acting more and more insane. The end of the world is tomorrow. 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 Fear is only one thing to do when the world is falling apart. Listen to Basil and Gonz as they discuss this week's news and events through the lens of Bible prophecy. You are listening to Canary Cry News Talk. Hey everybody, you are listening to Canary Cry News Talk. Today is July 10th, 2020, episode 217, and this week, Secret Science of the Vatican. And my name's Basil. And this is Gons. Welcome everybody to another live stream podcast episode. If you're listening later on, then welcome to the regular show part of it. But, uh, yeah, excited. That, yes, I can tell you're so excited. <laughs> the energy is off the charts, Gons. I know. You need to cool down a little bit. You're starting to scare everybody. I know. Full of hope in the chats uh, is asking for uh, super chats. And, yes, the Face Like the Sun channel is completely demonetized by the overlords. So no super chats available. But we appreciate the thoughts. The thought that yeah. counts, right? Are there? Do we have super chat on the Canary Cry Radio YouTube channel? Um, we might. I don't know if we have that set up, I don't know if we have it set up, but yeah, I don't check. know. But you can always try if you're trying to do super chats. Head to uh, Canary Cry Radio YouTube channel. See if it does it there. It'll pop into the same stream for us, and uh, we'll make it work. But there will be more ways to support the show later on. So stick yes. around for that. Gons, anything exciting happened uh, since the last episode last Wednesday? Uh, well, a couple things. One, uh, Amazon told me that I violated community guidelines with Age of Deceit, Fallen Angels, and the New World Order. Oh, there so, you go. But it's still on sale. Like, you can still buy the DVD on Amazon, but I don't know what mm-hmm. that means. I don't know if they just keep the money or what, but... So that's yeah. You, you know, are just uh, you're just shaking, rattling cages all over. I know, I know. I think I made everybody mad. You know, I made like the Q people mad. I made like the Lib Joes mad. I just uh, get make everybody mad. Um, the you're other making thing, making me mad. I'll tell you that. I much. know. I made I made you all mad before the show. Um, <laughs> <laughs> one other thing, I wanted to thank uh, a longtime producer, an important producer of the show. His name's Chad. And oh, he's yeah. uh, he's helped us run uh, the Canary Cry dot community. And he sent me some chocolate, some really fancy Ooh. chocolate. And uh, I'm going to show it on the screen there for people that are, you know, that can see or watching. Um, mm-hmm. It's the Dick Taylor craft chocolate. And they're so nice that I don't want to eat them. It's like, I, I don't want to open and eat these chocolates because they're, Whoa, they, they're they seem big. like, oh, they're big. They're like collectibles, you know, they're, they're like a whole nice. <laughs> Yeah, keep packages. that around, man. That'll be worth some. I know. That's what I'm saying. I don't want to. I don't want to eat them and like ruin it, you know. But uh, yeah. just a just a thank you to Chad. And it's yeah, funny because job, the Chad. box said uh, keep out of heat, and there it was in the sun. Yeah, right out, there in the front of your house out, or something in the, on the yeah. porch. Yep. Yeah. Good job. Yeah. Good job, people. Male people. Yeah, but uh, you know, there you go. rain or sleet or sunshine or leaving chocolate in the baking heat of Southern California, but I'm sure right. it's great. They seem to have retained their uh, their shape, so that's that's a good. Yeah, yeah, nothing was melted. So at least I don't. The think. only thing that exciting uh, uh, happened to me since last show was my trash can was stolen. Yeah, I don't you were know telling where my me trash about that. Trash can is what? What's it the deal? The big, it's a big mystery. 
Maybe <laughs> trash day came and went and uh, I went to go bring the trash back in and the trash was gone. So I think maybe the FBI or something needed to borrow oh. it to to rifle through my 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 records and my yeah. mail. Yeah, it's yeah. yeah. You got somebody going through your trash to see what kind mm-hmm. of shenanigans you've been up to. And they to. said, "Ooh, this is just so good. I want to take the whole can home." <laughs> Either so. that or they're they're going to, you know, find some DNA on you yeah. since you're not compliant with all the oh, DNA yeah. places. So now they I'm can s- <laughs> find like a tissue went, paper uh, or something. I went to my doctor again this week uh, because, you know, I pay so much for the insurance. I figure I'll just go whenever, whenever I want. Yeah. Um, so I went for an unrelated problem and she asked me again if I wanted a COVID test. I said, no, thank you. I've still got the paper <laughs> from last time. I'm just an irresponsible patient. And she said, hold on, let me make a call to oh. the FBI real quick. <laughs> oh, let no. them know you're out of compliance. Uh, so yeah. there you go. Maybe that's why she didn't say trash. that, but she was thinking it. Well, that, maybe that's it. They'll find COVID in your trash can and then they can mm. label you. That's how they get you. Yeah. That's you how they get you. Okay, everybody, keep your COVID to yourself. Let's jump into the episode. What do you say, Gans? Let's do. We got a lot to talk about today. I got a lot on my on my mind and on my on my chest. Oh, <laughs> is that weird? Yeah. No, but you know, people say you got to get stuff off your chest, right? Yeah. So yeah. there's a lot of stuff on your chest. You got to get it off your chest. All right. Yeah, sounds good. Go. Let's. Uh, right. I got to get this flippy update off okay. my chest. <laughs> Do you want fries Okay, so this is from Washington Post. I saw a funny thing the other day. Uh, you know, there everybody's saying George Washington was racist, so we got to take down all the George Washington uh, statues. And uh, the Washington Post, famous liberal uh, news outlet, I think they need to change their name. I don't think they can have such a racist name anymore. <laughs> We gotta cancel the Washington Post for being so racist. Okay, we should just. The, uh, oh, yeah. this is not the article I wanted. Hold on, hold on. Oh shoot! Wait, Democracy wait for dies it. in darkness. I opened the wrong one. No, I, I, I think didn't. you had okay. to. You had to. You had it on a different yep. browser. Yeah, right? the, yeah. The, yeah. The good. I think there's. I think if you get a Java script blocker, I think you can get past all these pay, paywalls. But here we go. WashingtonPost.com. The article is titled "No Masks, No Coughs. Robots Can Be Just What the Doctor Ordered in Time of Social Distancing." As the coronavirus pandemic rewrites the rules, rewrites the rules of human interaction. It also has inspired new thinking about how robots and other machines might step in. Oh, of course. It's it's as if they listened to the show like six months ago and they thought, hey, maybe we should talk about that on the WAPO. (laughs) Yeah. Well, the fact of the matter is, you know, we can't have all this human to human interaction. We need robots in between us to make sure that we're safe. That's the only way. The stuff of the bot world, early factory line automation up to today's artificial intelligence has been a growing fact of life for decades. The worldwide health crisis has added an urgency to the question of how to bring robotics 
into the public health equation. Nowhere is that truer than in Japan, a country with a long fascination of robots, from android assistants to robot receptionists. Since the virus arrived, robots have offered their services as bartenders, security guards, and delivery men. But they don't necessarily need to supplant humans. I like that. They don't necessarily (laughs) need to supplant humans. They could, and maybe they should, but they don't necessarily need to. Uh, Researchers say they can also bridge the gap between people mindful of social distance now or when the next major contagion hits. Want to drop in on your elderly parents but are afraid of passing on a coronavirus infection? Maybe you're still missing your grandchildren and finding Zoom chats a little limiting ideas are brewing hugging the bot the new me robot developed by japanese company avatarin avatarin is basically a tablet computer on a stand with wheels the user controls the avatar from a laptop or a tablet and his or her face shows on the avatar's screen quote it's really like teleporting your consciousness, said founder and CEO Akira Fukabori. You are really present, really present with your little <laughs> face on a screen. That's either really great marketing or they're just crazy. Over I there think they're drinking their own Kool-Aid, man. Oh, this, of course. <laughs> this is serious. Like, oh, virus. Oh, perfect time. Teleport our, <laughs> teleport our consciousness. <laughs> I can't do the Japanese voice anymore. This, the this teleport our consciousness. <laughs> <laughs> Already available commercially, Ava Trends, Ava, uh, Ava Tarine. How do you Ava, say that? Ava Taran. Ava, Ava Taran. That's that's much better. Ava Taran's robots have been used by doctors to interact with patients in the Japanese coronavirus ward by university students in Tokyo to quote attend a graduation ceremony, which we reported on, and by fans of the Yomiuri Giants baseball team to remotely interview their favorite players after games held in empty stadiums. There are even avatar robots that have just arrived in the International Space Station, but it's the way the robot is already being used by families separated by the coronavirus that really underscores the heart of the technology. Starting with the family of the company's chief operating officer, Kevin Kajitani, whose parents live in Seattle. Quote, his parents can't always come and visit their grandson, Fukubori said, but they always access the avatar and can even chase their grandson. And the grandson really hugs the robot. Avatarin is part of Japan's ANA airline group, and the company has joined with etc., etc., etc. That's the most important part, is that uh, you can now chase a child around with a robot, <laughs> and the child can hug a cold steel machine uh, in place of hugging their grandparents. So there you go. We have, uh, you know, we use Flippy. I forgot to mention it. For those who this is your first show, uh, Flippy is our colloquial name for the disembodied robot robot arm uh, robot that is uh, stealing our jobs and slaving our children and flirting with our spouses. But we use it as a conversation to show how just how robots are going to sneak their way into our lives. And we've seen it uh, across the board from our jobs to uh, 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 being uh, taking our place as fans uh, in recreational events like baseball games. And now 
they can even take our place in the in the family circle. No longer do we need those filthy human meat bags uh, yeah. to feel the love of our grandchildren. Now we can, uh, you know, roll around, chase them around, and in, in sort of a, a dystopian Skynet uh, cute family chase around the house. Yeah, you. Uh, have- so there you go. Sorry, Grandpa, you're getting replaced. You stopped reading it right as you were about to read the X Prize Foundation, and we've mentioned how X seems to be a, a common letter that, that keeps popping up in reference to these types of tech and mm-hmm. um, the uh, X in the circle being what certain Satanists consider as the mark of the beast. Right. Um, and uh, th- there's, <laughs> if you scroll down uh, the article, Basil, there's a cleaning patrol section mm-hmm. where uh, people watching can see these, uh, uh, these Japan's ZMP. They have these, strange googly eyes and they and i think they blink at you and they like talk Uh to you through the eyes and stuff it's really kind of uh my brethren (laughs) it's your people (laughs) and uh they clean too i think so or they patrol so uh that's how it starts first they patrol for spills and then they patrol for dissidents yeah (laughs) out after curfew yeah and they also have the bot bartender which is a literal flippy with a robot arm Mm-hmm. And also uh, a dancing robot that. Um, yeah, we know, love this, the dancing robots. Yeah, and this one is in I'm the classroom. Fine. I'm fine if the dancing robots uh, steal that from us. I mean, dancing's fun and all, but if it's between uh, dancing robots and uh, you know a robot taking the place of my grandfather, I might. Uh, I'll, I'll choose the <laughs> dancing one. What's creepy is you know people can potentially pass away, but then they can have certain you know. Uh, not VR, but maybe like some kind of database left with yeah, you know, like conscious, consciousness database. The left. Black Mirror episode. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Uh, there is a secondary flippy update if you want to do it really quickly, Basil. Okay, let's um, do it. Let's pop over. Sorry, there's a cat stepping on where my mouse should be. Um, let's see here. Oh, over on Facebook. Yeah. Somebody, Facebook, somebody, yeah. Sh- somebody shared this with the uh, Facebook group and I just had to throw it in there. Sorry for listeners on the podcast, but viewers can see this. Uh, it looks like a fun new activity. I mean, talk about, uh, uh, sh- <laughs> flippy taking us all for a ride. This is a video of a giant robot arm, a giant flippy arm, uh, and it has a chair on the end of it and you can sit in it, strap yourself in and then flippy, uh, just whips you around. <laughs> <laughs> I think this video is sped up or something to, uh, make it more dramatic Maybe. looking, but it uh, is pretty dramatic looking. I don't think that's the natural way. And then uh, if you scroll down, it's kind of funny. Somebody posted uh, our smaller version and it's actually the same thing. A uh, robot arm, except it's got a baby car seat in it, <laughs> which is uh, equally or more troubling. I would say. Yes. Very troubling. Oh yeah. yeah. They look related. So there you go. Now you can just strap right in, have flippy hold you firmly by the waist and whip you around like a, I don't even know. <laughs> I don't even know what you shouldn't be whipping people around no, like this. No, not, but not healthy. There you go. It's fun. You know, there's something in something in uh, Flippy's got something for everybody there. Some people <laughs> want burgers flipped. Somebody want to, some people want to be the burger and get flipped. <laughs> you weirdos. <laughs> so okay. there you go. It's a good time. All right. We got a quick update here. We interrupt this podcast to give you a brief update. By the end of this timely interruption, you will be thoroughly updated. Absolutely. He didn't kill himself.
We got a couple stories here. First off, the Jerusalem Post published today uh, by Reuters. U.S. files superseding indictment against Ghislaine Maxwell. Uh, U.S. prosecutors have filed a superseding indictment against Ghislaine Maxwell. Uh, the indictment was made public on Friday in Manhattan federal, federal Court, and like the original indictment, accused Maxwell of six criminal counts. Maxwell has been charged with luring underage girls so Epstein can sexually abuse them. That's all it says here. Uh, mm-hmm. It's just weird. What, like, I, I understand what a superseding indictment is, but what's the point? Is if, if it's the same charges, why are they superseding it? Um, because they want the, the, well, there's a couple of reasons if they're trying to supersede it that, you know, on one hand, they could want to, you know, have their indictment take precedence over another's, meaning that they might have more evidence to bring against his lane. Or is it um, a different group? That's, uh, yeah. It? Well, it depends. Yeah. Hold on. I, I'm sorry. Let me read this again. Cause I didn't, uh, I wasn't reading along with you. So I well, missed a couple of points. It's here. two paragraphs of. Just barely anything. All it says yeah. is it was just. You're made. reading from the MSN article. No, that's the next article. Ah, ah, that's why. Yeah. The iPost article. J Post. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> this font is so tiny. <laughs> you need to you need to figure out your your. U.S. Eyes. prosecutors have filed superseding indictment against Ghislaine Maxwell, the former girlfriend. Long time. The indictment was made on. Yeah, I wonder who it's superseding. That's interesting. It's just like another indictment, apparently. Yeah, you know, I actually really don't know what that superseding indictment is. Shoot. Maybe you can, maybe is superseding indictment, maybe there's like a a more specific definition for it. Why don't you uh, take a look at that? I I actually, I took a peek at at the, Uh you know, what it is. And basically it's what you said, that there could be more evidence or it could be like a Mm -hmm. different party, but there's nothing really other than that reported on it, but there's another part of this. That's, um, you know, just again, this is a quick update. We're not going to dig too deep here, but, uh, the second story, did you want to do that one? Yeah, I'll do the second one. Oops. Where'd it go? Oh, it's the MSN article. Give me one second here. Yeah. Sometimes. Well, you want me to jump into this MSN one? Yeah, do it. Do it. Yeah. Okay. So this is on MSN. It's called Million Bond. Uh, The article says lawyers for former socialite Ghislaine Maxwell urged a U.S. judge to release her from federal prison after she posts a $5 million bond. Maxwell won't flee the country and faces health risks from the coronavirus at the New York jail where she's being held. Her attorney said in a 22 page court filing Friday, they proposed that she be confirmed fine to her home and said six other people including friends and siblings will guarantee her bond a federal judge is scheduled to hear arguments on bail july 14th maxwell the daughter of late british publishing tycoon and then they go into why she's in jail um yeah that's very interesting because uh as we read on the last episode the the jail that she's currently being held in is described as a hell on earth situation. Right. Apparently it's a really bad, uh, you know, uh, um, what is the word I'm looking for? It's a bad building. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> for some reason I can't find the word I'm looking for, but yeah. So it's, you know, super nasty, the heat and the, the cold or the air conditioning goes out all the time. Um, we, she's we, in, uh, we talked about assault. it in the last episode, how it like the, the, the guards have been charged with like, what was it? Raping the, the inmates. Oh, yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah. It was the, like crazy... the guards at that jail get, 
put in jail because of all the beatings and rapes that they commit on the individuals right. uh, being incarcerated there. Uh, so, you know, it's not a surprise that she's trying to get out of there. Um, and I don't I don't buy this risk of coronavirus, though, because if she's unless she's being held with a bunch of other prisoners, which my understanding was that she was being separated and was protected, you know, a lot of uh, sexual offenders get protected protected status, especially when they're affiliated with uh, pedophilic activities, they get uh, protected status in jail because, you know, the other inmates want to, you know, want a punching bag. So uh, my understanding was that she had her own little zone. You know, the only people she would catch coronavirus from is uh, is, uh, you know, guards and stuff like that. Right. Um, but, you know, you could take you could take mitigating steps towards uh, not giving her the coronavirus. Now, of course, coronavirus is one of the leading uh, theories right now on how she will mysteriously uh, die or disappear before she's able to name names, name the names um, that will, you know, allegedly has the potential to bring down uh, a bunch of elites around the world. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. This will be interesting to see if she gets this $5 million bond and is able to get out. Um, if she's in the problem with sending her home is uh, we already know her good friend, her good, good friend and confidant Epstein. If you can, if you believe the, the uh, mainstream explanation is that, you know, he killed himself in jail. What would be stopping her from killing herself in her own house? So I don't know. This is, uh, it's no surprise that they are filing to get her out of this jail. That's a that's a normal thing for lawyers to yeah, do to keep you out of jail as long as possible. But uh, we'll see. We'll see if this gets granted. Yeah. I think if it does get granted, it just increases the chances that uh, she will not sh- not be available. Sorry, yeah. Ghislaine is not available right now to name names. <laughs> you know, it's really kind of absurd is it says here, and this is obviously lawyer talk, but the lawyer says, Miss Maxwell vigorously denies the charges intends to Mm -hmm. fight them. and is, and is entitled to the presumption of innocence. I mean, you got, you have like (laughs) independent people and professional journalists. You have so many people that have called out stuff over the years. There's a lot of evidence, but she's innocent until proven guilty gone. Ah, All right. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> Good luck with that. Okay. Ghislaine. Cause uh, yeah. there's, uh, there's people in the chat right now that probably have more on her than, <laughs> than, you know what I mean? Like, it's just ridiculous that there's that. I don't know. Of course the lawyer has to say that. So I'm not well, saying the, that the scary a, part for her. If I were her, I wouldn't want to get let out of jail because then, uh, you know, the, the there's, you're more susceptible to uh, you know, outside forces accidentally helping you drop your toaster into the hot tub right. or something like that. <laughs> right, you know? At right, least right. she's at least she's safe allegedly in this jail. Mm. Although it's the scariest jail she could possibly be in. Allegedly. So, yeah, allegedly. All right. Allegedly. Allegedly, it's all alleged. All right. Well, we'll keep you guys posted on uh, on the Giswell Mac Gislaine <laughs> Maxwell thing. There, we'll see if she gets moved out because uh, this this whole thing is certainly not over. We'll see what happens. No, it's not. All right, we got a lot of uh, not a lot, but well, yeah, a good amount of COVID stuff to get into here that connects to the Vatican and the whole deal. So here we go. COVID. 
science is truth. Dr. Fauci. <laughs> uh, watch live Q&A with Daddy Fauci and director Dr. Collins. Uh, hold on. What the heck is going on with this uh, page here? I can't. The title doesn't fit. Watch live Q&A with Dr. Fauci and NIH director Dr. Collins on coronavirus pandemic. Mm-hmm. And uh, the No Agenda show on yesterday's episode really kind of tore into this 28-minute uh, show, basically, uh, with you know Dr. Francis Collins pretending like he doesn't know what's going on as the head of the NIH. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. it, they did a good job of, of sort of exposing what's going on here. But there was a couple things that I noticed that, that I haven't seen anybody really report on yet. So let me play a little clip here. Um, and, and this is Dr. Fauci and, and Dr. Francis Collins, if you're a Christian, you might know of Dr. Francis Collins because he's the guy that uh, was part of the, uh, the DNA. Uh, what was the name of the, the project? The Human Genome Project. There you go. Human Genome Project. And uh, he's the guy who's out there as a believer in God. You know, he came into science as an atheist and he, you know, stepped out as a believer in God and all this kind of stuff. But his associations here are not looking good for people that you know, kind of understand what's going on with this whole situation. But I want to play a little clip from the, the interview conversation they had here and um, listen to Dr. Fauci's answer and the setup by Dr. Francis Collins. Good virus for a vaccine to work. Uh, it has this ability where natural infection does seem to be protective. It doesn't seem to mutate too rapidly compared to some others. Is that fair? That is fair. It's, it's an RNA virus. And as we know, RNA viruses mutate, but the functional consequence of that mutation so far doesn't look to be impressive. Okay. Let's just hold up for a moment. We, so basically, Dr. Francis Collins set it up and said, hey, this, this, yeah, the virus is a problem, but it's not, you know, the, the mutations, it doesn't happen too rapidly. Like it's not that bad of a mutation situation. And Dr. Fauci kind of uh, acknowledges that like, hey, oh, yeah, you're right. It's, it's not too crazy. It does mutate. But just a week ago, there was a whole bunch of articles citing how crazy this mutation is. And the Hill, Fauci warns, uh, coronavirus mutation may cause virus to spread more easily. And down here, there's a quote from Dr. Fauci that says the data is showing there's a single mutation that makes the virus be able to replicate better and maybe have high viral loads. It just seems that the virus replicates better and maybe more transmissible. So Hmm. which one is it? Is it is it bad? Or is it not that big of a deal? Like, yeah, you're simultaneously saying that the mutations make it incredibly worse, way more, uh, in, uh, you know, communicable and way more deadly. And then later on saying, well, I mean, it mutates a little bit, but it's no big deal. And Dr. Francis Collins saying it's good. It's good that it doesn't mutate too crazy because we can kind of, you know, find a vaccine for it. Right. It just I don't know, man. There was a, that inconsistency really bothered me. <laughs> Yeah, um, and again, I mean, look, this this isn't even full-on conspiracy theory stuff. No. We're just looking at the mainstream news and comparing it to each other. So this is this is news analysis more than it is conspiracy theory. Yeah. And uh <laughs> along the way, I found <laughs> I found this uh video. There's a few videos of Dr. Francis Collins um playing his guitar and singing and uh, it's it's all in context to his 
you know, NIH position, mm-hmm. but I wanted to play a little bit of the song here. Uh, it's called It Takes You, HHS, for Health and Human Services. And uh, this was actually uh, published on YouTube, it looks like May 7th of 2018, so it's a couple years old. Okay. Uh, yeah, let's check this out. Is it going to play? HHS has a mission, baby, we can make a difference, that's real. I'm not talking about some lofty vision, I'm talking about how people feel. Mm. HHS serves everybody, we protect their health and well-being. Oh, I'm yeah. not talking perhaps, or maybe, we make a true difference at scene. It takes a UACF. It takes a UACL and the regions too. Oh yeah. Okay, I, I don't know oh, how much yeah. more to take. Oh yeah. <laughs> but that's, so I guess that's what he's doing with his time as NIH director is writing jingles for his people. <laughs> and um, it's just a very bizarre thing. And there was another one about uh, from 2013, some like blues jingle um, for some something else. But it, just very bizarre. I don't know. What do yeah. you think, Basil? Well, Good tune? Keep, keep, his, keep your day job there, buddy. <laughs> um, and uh, along with that, uh, he, he, one of the things that the, uh, that he's involved in is something called the BioLogos Foundation. And, uh, the BioLogos Foundation is a Christian advocacy group that attempts to reconcile evolution with the idea of God. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it was established by Francis Collins in 2007 after receiving letters and emails from people who had read his book, the language of God. Uh, the primary audience was Christians, but Collins uh, also sought to engage with skeptics and seekers invested in science. And BioLogos affirms evolutionary creation as a core commitment. And, uh, you know, I, I get that there's different views on the creation process, but I don't know. If you look at the origin of evolutionary biology in general, it goes back to Darwin and the occult ties to all that. Have you, have you studied some of that Basil? How much occultism is involved in the actual. Yeah. We used to do a lot more of, uh, in, you know, explore a lot more insight into that whole thing, uh, in the early days of Canary cry radio, if I remember correctly. Um, but yeah, you know, especially with Darwin and a lot of, uh, his supporters, financiers, things like that, you know, they were really hooked in with the, the sort of, and it was a different time where sort of spiritualism, uh, was, you know, being the name of the day for, you know, that included practices like seances and, uh, all sorts of that type of stuff was kind of the in vogue of his day. But yeah, he was definitely, uh, included in a lot of the, uh, occult hobbies, of, yeah, of uh, of his time and, and his it's, class uh, of people. Yeah, and it, and it's the origin of a lot of Helena Blavatsky's writings, the uh, mm-hmm. Secret Doctrine, which you know she basically said Lucifer is you know is is a god, and you know we need to bring back the Luciferian age and all this kind of stuff, and um, that that whole thing was the foundation of eugenics in the 1900s. And it's what propelled the Nazis and the Arianism to uh, really, you know, become a become a factor in the worldview of some of the early scientists 
uh, right. dare I say, quote unquote scientists, uh, because they're very much involved in occultism. You know, it was, it was, mm-hmm. a, it, especially back then, it was a little bit more woo woo with, uh, with, with science and a lot of the philosophical views. Um, the other thing I want to mention is Collins as a name. And th- this is just a, right. I, I want to be clear that this is speculation, what I'm about to say here, but Collins is considered one of the names of the 13, uh, Illuminati bloodline families. Oh, interesting. And, uh, I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah. So, uh, the Collins, uh, and, as well as the Collins elite who we've talked about on the face, like the sun channel, who are allegedly these good guy Christians in the secret government that are uh, opposed to what the whole new world order system is trying to build. And they're trying to call it out. And it's supposed to be this Christian group from within doing it kind of ties into the whole movement now with Trump. Um, But uh, again, nothing that I can connect directly from anything that I've uh, looked into in terms of Francis Collins himself, other than they share the name and uh, Collins went to Yale, but uh, he wasn't on any kind of list with uh, you know the skull and bones or anything like that, so nothing right. nothing direct there. Um, but you know it's a very interesting connection if there is any. Uh, and one of the connections that I remember of early early on, there was a guy named John Todd, who uh, who was exposing a lot of the Illuminati stuff. He he claimed to have come out of uh, Illuminati family, and the Todd family that that family name was a branch of the Collins bloodline allegedly oh interesting so there's there's that connection and um one more thing and then i'll let you kind of chime in basil um this is an article that was published on the tablet.co.uk back on may 28th of 2020 it's a news briefing church in the world and it just talks about all kinds of stuff going on around the world from uh i think it's a catholic outlet here But it says here, Dr. Francis Collins, a prominent Christian geneticist and head of the National Institute of Health in the United States, was last week named the winner of the 2020 Templeton Prize. The Templeton panel said that they were awarding Collins the 1.1 million uh, pounds uh, prize for his achievements in the, quote, integration of faith and reason. Right. A former head of the Human Genome Project, Collins has spoken publicly about his conversion from atheism to Christianity, which began after witnessing the deep faith of his medical patients. As director of the NIH, Collins is currently leading U.S. efforts to develop a vaccine for COVID-19. He is a member of the Vatican Pontifical Academy of Sciences, Ooh. appointed by Pope Benedict uh, 16th in 2009. Is that 16? Yeah, I think that's 16. My Roman numerals right there. He will formally receive the prize in a virtual ceremony later this year. But there you go. He's a member of the Vatican Pontifical Academy of Sciences. He's being held up as this great man to integrate faith and reason. And he's at the forefront of bringing vaccines into, I think, uh, as part of a way to convince a lot of the Christians out there, especially the ones that are, you know, anti-vax type of people, they tend to be more Christian or evangelical and, um, or even, I mean, this is one, this is off topic, but this was something I was, uh, thinking about yesterday was the anti-vax community is an interesting community. Cause I think it's like half evangelical Christians and yeah. then half, you know, new, you know, new age type new people agey, who, yeah, who yeah. equally, uh, don't like the idea of 
you know, uh, strange vaccination being injected into their bodies. Right. Yeah, no, that's a good point. And um, I just think in general, the, the faith community is more inclined to a type of freedom of, uh, of choice in, in these matters. And, right. you know, people we've pointed out how like, and a lot of people online have pointed out how, Hey, you know, uh, when it comes to abortions, it's my body, my choice. But when it comes to vaccines, hey, hey, you know, you gotta Damn. you gotta abide by the authority. And that's uh, actually interesting. You mentioned that. Uh, actually, let me. I'll let you finish your thought, and I want to talk more about that real quick. Well, just you know, the point being that uh, if you bring in a man, quote unquote, a man of faith in front of this and science, you're bringing, you're pretty much running out of excuses other than you're a conspiracy theorist. And we've talked about right. in the last episode, how there's this divide, this war, this battle between, you know, the scientific authoritarianism, uh, or authority basically is the way they put it uh, against the quote unquote conspiracy theorists, which admittedly a lot of people in the in that realm are saying some pretty crazy stuff out there and what gets peddled and what gets repeated and what gets shared and all that it is the more extreme claims that are a little bit more fringe than you'd like to. But right. you know, on this show here, we we're trying to be, we're trying to walk that narrow path, right? We're trying to be objective and, and, but you know, hold on to the faith obviously, but say like, okay, there's a place for science, like experimental science and how it can apply to help. But then there's this, political side of how the entire scientific uh, infrastructure in the United States and the world has been completely taken over by politics. And, yeah. and now we have this uh, situation where you're being categorized as a crazy conspiracy theorist in association with these crazy fringe things that people say. And it's just, I don't know, it's a divide and conquer method that's becoming really intense. And I, I feel like, you know, Francis Collins here, uh, is being put in a position to be a Pied Piper for those that will say, okay, well, you know what? Maybe he's, he's a believer. He's a Christian. He believes in God. Um, how could, you know, he, he wouldn't be against uh, hurting the people or, or anything like that. So uh, I guess the vaccines are okay. Kind of, you know, yeah, mentality. Well, that's, that's kind of the whole point of this. It's, it's a big political move. And Fauci has said in the past, you know, we hear him say over and over and over, oh, there's a big anti-science sentiment and a big anti-vaccine sentiment. And that's what's going to kill everybody in the world. Everybody who doesn't want a vaccine, they're just ignorant and they're mostly Christians. And so we need to, uh, we really need to battle this anti-science rhetoric going on on the internet. Uh, with all these crazy religious people. Right. And uh, what I see this uh, Francis Collins, uh, doc, sorry, Dr. Francis Collins, <laughs> uh, this whole move is a political move to try to sway the Christian anti-vax movement uh, a little bit to soften the resistance against vaccines. I mean, now, uh, Dr. Francis Collins and Daddy Fauci have been associated um, for a long time, you know, one being the mentor of the other. I believe Francis, who was it? Was Francis Collins I think, the yeah. mentor of Daddy Fauci? I think so, yeah. For a while, yeah, and yeah. they worked together with, in the HIV. They've known each other uh, for, for decades. 
Yeah, but I see, you know, him, uh, Francis Collins being brought in as such a close associate uh, to come in as the, you know, the so-called Christian guy who loves vaccines. Um, It's a political move. It's a messaging move to try to soften the resistance from, you know, the 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 Christian anti-vaxxers, which is a pretty brilliant move. I don't think it's going to work because, yeah, the usually (laughs) especially since he's associated with uh, the the Vatican being uh, <laughs> yeah. you know a, a Catholic enterprise obviously um, and it just shows a a, good, a a pretty stark misunderstanding of how Christianity works where yeah. they're like all oh, these all these American Protestants uh, don't like vaccines well let's bring in the uh, this Catholic associated guy that'll <laughs> yeah. get them uh, it's just not really how it works it's like you know yeah you know, especially. It's, it's, especially as we get into the next couple stories that relate to the Pope and his association with the CCP and, and communism. Yeah. We have a it's, lot of stuff with the Pope coming up. Yeah. Um, yeah so, and just to, just to kind of finish out the other thought I was mentioning, you know, it actually it first came up, it came up on, uh, on my Facebook. Oh man. Months ago, uh, where it'll be a meme. And it's, uh, you know, it'll have a, a liberal cartoon on one side and a conservative cartoon on the other side. And the liberal cartoon will say, wear a mask. And then the conservative uh, cartoon will say, my body, my choice. And then the liberal <laughs> will say, well, it's not your body. It's not just your body. There's another body involved. And then the conservatives like, you know, you don't say comparing <laughs> uh, the abortion argument where, you know, it's my body, my choice. Well, it's it's not just your body. There's a body of another human being involved, right? Right. And so it was used as this sort of uh, satirical comment on how, you know, the the, uh, the juxtaposition or, or the, um, uh, man, my words are bad today. Uh you know the 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 conflict between the ideals of the contradictions. you wear you wear a mask yes thank you the contradiction you wear a mask to protect somebody else well you don't kill you don't get an abortion to protect the baby type of thing and right. then just two days ago um on sort of the all all the liberal people started putting out a meme that literally says the exact same thing but in the context coming from you know a liberal person meaning well if if you don't wear a mask, why are you trying to control my body? You know, they're saying the exact same thing, but it just depends on the uh, perspective from which it's coming. It takes on a whole new meaning, which I think is a beautiful illustration of how uh, sort of the liberal and conservative sides will just talk past each other and are essentially trying to say the exact same thing, but have, uh, you know, different meaning to it uh, based on their conditioning. Yeah, it's it's a conditioning issue. And, you know, going into uh, all the neuro linguistic programming type stuff, um, you know, you can you can read the same sentence but depending on your uh conditioning it can mean two entirely different things and it's really uh you know it's it's really a great illustration of the one of the biggest problems that we have i'll just say specifically in american politics but surely this pops up around the world which is you know people are unable to see 
uh, the th- you know how what they say is actually uh, decoded by the other side. You can be saying the exact same words and pull you know entirely opposite results from the meaning of the of the phrase. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I just thought it was fascinating and and a good illustration of just the problems that <laughs> that the whole right. world has right now in in communicating with each other. And that's a good point too because. A lot of science, you know, people think that science is like this cut black and white dry, like you just see the data and that's, you know, we know what the truth is, but that's not how that works either. You still need a human mind to interpret what the data means. And it, there's a whole side of philosophy of science to that you can dig into where worldview and presuppositions plays a major role in how you identify that data and how you interpret it. So right. that's why, you know, when, when Fauci says science is truth and, and Francis Collins is with there uh, with him kind of, you know, buddy, buddy with him. It, it's just interesting to me. I, I see a problem because, you know, especially scripturally, you see a uh, John, uh, I think it's chapter six, 17, uh, verse 17, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. And, um, uh, you know, when you talk about truth, um, Francis Schaefer, a different Francis, Francis Schaefer, the apologist, he used to talk about the truth, truth, you know, the truth, truth being, you know, the truth about God, the truth about the world, the truth about humans and, and the word of God being something that addresses that truth. And, right. and so when we talk about truth, you know what I mean? Like that's, I think the truth that cuts to the core of the situation we're in now in this world but when Fauci says science is truth, and again, we just reiterate the point over and over again, but it's a philosophical statement. It is not, uh, it's not a statement you can make scientifically. Science is yeah. truth is not a scientific statement. So, yeah. And, we, you know, back to the context of the uh, my body, my choice argument, depending on if you're a conservative or a liberal or, you know, hopefully you're able to stand outside that and see the ridiculousness of it. It's the statistics are the same way, you know, depending right. on how they're presented and the uh, the conditioning that comes beforehand. You can look at the exact same set of numbers and come to two entirely different conclusions, yeah. which is why, you know, and, and I think it's funny because in this world, uh, you know, it's one thing to have a, a passionate emotional argument with somebody. It's another thing to lay out the data and make your case. You know, it's always much more effective when you can show numbers, lay out the numbers and then uh, extrapolate a conclusion from there. Um, but and that's seen as truth. You know, numbers are just truth. It's the science. It's the data. Right. But in the same way, you, that's how you lie with statistics is yeah. you can have the exact same data. And uh, depending on your conditioning and your layout of the data, you can come to not just different conclusions, completely <laughs> opposite, <laughs> diametrically opposed yeah. conclusions. Yeah. Exactly. Which is, uh, which is why communication between, you know, a conservative and a liberal can be so infuriating is because you can't make even when you try to lay out a rational, you know, data based argument, uh, that's not enough. We have this misconception that simple numbers uh, can settle a dispute when in, in it's obvious that it can't. And, you know, the numbers can be interpreted in the same way that 
uh, a, a rhetorical argument can be interpreted and twisted depending on what side you're on and what side you're you're translating from. So there you go. But anyways, that's just my uh, that's what's been grinding my gears about people communicating <laughs> um, about everything, but everything, specifically yep. you know COVID stuff, mask stuff is uh, they try to lay out these rational rational numbers based arguments and uh you can talk right past each other and that's why everybody's so mad at each other man I they know. just can't communicate bro you know what's gonna help all of us out is the robots you know if it's Woo! not the aliens to be the arbiter uh it's the robots you know because yeah, they don't see, have emotion they just we need do that the numbers. pure robotic logic <laughs> nothing can go wrong i am not capable of hatred uh, <laughs> we're going to go into uh, and connect this. The reason why I wanted to go into the uh, Pope stuff next is because uh, of the point being uh, that Francis, uh, Dr. Francis Collins um, being a part of the, uh, what was it? The Vatican. member of the Vatican's Pontifical Academy of Sciences. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think this is a good segue into our next section here. Space Pope Reptilian. Welcome to Okay, this is a fun one. We got WashingtonExaminer.com. Racist. We can't have the word Washington on anything. (laughs) Slave owner. Article is titled, Pope Skips Planned Remarks on Hong Kong Security Law Report. Pope Francis reportedly skipped planned remarks on China's new Hong Kong national security law that severely restricts the freedoms of its people during his Sunday address. Now, just to catch everybody up, Hong Kong uh, started about a year ago um, fighting against some extrajudicial laws being placed on them from Beijing. Hong Kong is supposed to be semi-autonomous from China, having its own capitalist society. Uh, But Beijing, uh, the capital... You know, the CCP specifically, the Chinese Communist Party, has been trying to tighten its grip. Now, for a year, Hong Kongers have been protesting against uh, the communist government encroaching on the the Hong Kong zone um, and going so far as to ask personally for Donald Trump to come save them, waving American flags in the streets, uh, protesting communism, trying to keep their capitalistic uh, system going, and yet not getting the attention that they deserve. The article continues, Christopher Altieri, Rome bureau chief for the Catholic Herald, reported Monday that Vatican journalists received word that the Pope would be using part of his address to respond to the situation in Hong Kong. However, that response never came. Mm. And embargoed version of the Pope's planned speech was given to reporters over the weekend, but the world's hon- the world's uh, sorry, the words on Hong Kong were never spoken by the Pope. Mm-hmm. Journalist Marco Tosati released the omitted section and translated it from Italian to English. The few sentences expressed concern for the people of Hong Kong, but stopped short of overtly condemning the Chinese government. The Vatican was uh, has not yet contested or confirmed the validity of the published portion. In fall of 2018, Pope Francis signed off on an agreement with China that negotiated the nomination of Catholic bishops in the nation. The full details of the arrangement are still unclear, but it's 
tentative nature led to speculation that it may have caused Pope Francis to avoid addressing the situation in Hong Kong. Quote, the questions journalists have now are what made Pope Francis not say the thing? And what does this tell us about both the Vatican's China policy and who has the Pope's ear in these and other regards? Pope Francis's silence on Hong Kong has long been the subject of speculation, as has the question regarding those from whom he is taking advice in these and other regards. This episode has pushed those questions to the fore, Altieri wrote. Cardinal Joseph Zen, Bishop Emeritus of Hong Kong, spoke at the Wall Street Journal in February, months before the implementation of uh, the new law. Quote, you can never compromise with a totalitarian regime because they want everything, he said. Would you have encouraged St. Joseph to negotiate with Herod? He believes that the Hong Kong Catholic Church is being murdered. Quote, if Hong Kong loses its freedom, the church will not be spared. And if the church loses its freedom, it will no longer be able to defend the freedom of the people. Zen elaborated in a tweet on Monday, according to the platform's rough English translation. Cardinal Charles Mang Bo, the president of the Federation of Asian Bishops, conferences, uh, Asia's, sorry, okay. Cardinal Charles Mang Bo, the president of the Federation of Asian Bishops' conferences, urged people of faith all around the world to pray for Hong Kong in response to the law. China's restrictions on Hong Kong criminalizes secession, subversion, terrorism, and conclusion collusion with foreign forces because of how broadly the law is written. China has the opportunity to crack down on those who oppose governance. Already, a 15-year-old girl has been arrested for waving a Hong Kong independence flag and could face years in prison. For all intents and purposes, mainland China does not allow freedom of religion. For years, Hong Kong has been a bastion of peace for religious people. Now, here's, I think, I mean, I think this is obvious, Gong. So, just to, to summarize it for everybody, you know, the Pope was supposed to come out and say something about the situation in Hong Kong and then skipped it. Skipped it and, uh, you know, didn't want to rile up the Chinese government, uh, probably because he's got some big deals going on in China. And I think the law that China recently passed, which we reported on last episode, making it uh, basically passing a law on the world, the entire world, the law saying that if you say anything against the the Chinese Communist Party, uh, then you are uh, you're a criminal. You're a criminal. You're a criminal. And if you step <laughs> in foot eyes. in Hong Kong or China, then you can immediately be re- arrested. And I think the Pope, that's what happened. The Pope couldn't uh, say any, well, he could and he should have, um, but he didn't want to say anything bad about the Hong Kong situation because that would put him uh, in the position to be arrested if he ever uh, visited China or Hong Kong. I mean, can you imagine that? Uh, if he spoke out against Hong Kong, that would make the Pope a criminal <laughs> in the eyes of the uh, Chinese Communist Party. And so if he ever showed up on Chinese or Hong Kong territory, I mean, would they? Would they actually arrest the Pope? What would that mean? That would be crazy. <laughs> I don't know. A bunch of people might cheer for that one. Well, uh, that's the thing. A lot of people <laughs> would. <laughs> Uh, as long as you're taking people down, it's, it's kind of like you're going down. We're, we're taking you with us. Um, yeah. And uh, the other part of this too is, uh, I guess the the other bishops and other 
you know, associates, so to speak, in Hong Kong or in China. Uh, maybe he thought if he says something against against them that they would be arrested too. You know, his that's constituents. possible. Um, yeah, that's possible that the Bishop of Hong Kong, as a representative of the Vatican, would then be you know fall under this law that would. Yeah turn him into a criminal although it already seems like he is considered a criminal I, I, uh you yeah, know there is know. as as is mentioned in this article there is no freedom of religion and specifically christianity is for for all intents and purposes illegalized uh in in china mainland at least the only reason that there's a bishop in hong kong is because hong kong is supposedly uh this you know capitalist society that allows for that sort of thing yeah um, but yeah yeah, no, it's it's a spooky time for all Chinese religious people. I mean, the, the Uyghur Muslims are already in concentra- concentration camps by the millions. The Christians have been uh, persecuted for decades. And, uh, you know, yeah, now now they're the, the, even the Hong Kong Christians can uh, get in trouble. Yeah. And sure, I think on the surface, it's a pretty good uh, reason for the Pope pulling out on some of his comments, but there's another possibility here. Uh oh. Welcome to Chinese This is lifesitenews.com. Uh, why Chinese whistleblower may, uh, may be right that communists paid Vatican to shut up about mm. its war on Catholics. Yeah. So it's published back in June 25th, but um, it's kind of a long article. I don't necessarily need to go through the whole thing here because uh, it gets into Steve Bannon and, and you know, the whole deal. Uh, but I'll read parts of it here. Chinese dissident Guo Wenggui claims that the Chinese Communist Party, quote, allocates up to $2 billion a year to buy the Vatican's silence concerning the ongoing persecution of the Catholic Church in China and other human rights abuses. Right. Mr. Guo made an allegation without offering any supporting evidence <laughs> in a June 20th interview on Steve Bannon's The War Room. The explosive claim was made in the context of a larger discussion of how the CCP is spending huge sums of money to buy politicians, media, and influence in countries like Australia and Italy, and I would yeah. argue the U.S. Uh Quote, 2014, the CPC inside made the decision every year they want $2 billion to pay to the Vatican to influence the Vatican policy about China slash Vatican. And regarding the Christian and Catholic mistreatment, they wanted Vatican to shut up to follow the CPC about religion. You know the policy. That's disaster, Guo said. These expenditures, according to previous statements by Guo, are part of a larger strategy to achieve global hegemony. Uh, that goes by the initials BGY. The initials BGY stand for blue control over the internet, gold buying influence with money and yellow seducing people with sex. Guo said Saturday that the CCP is pursuing uh, in pursuit of hegemony uh, has been investing a fixed percentage of trade earnings with foreign countries into the BGY program since 2014. The goal is to compromise co-op and control as many nation states as possible especially its key competitor, the U.S. To this end, he says the BGY quota for the United States and other countries, which started at 1%, has been increased from 1% to 5% over the years. Uh, and you know, kind of goes into uh, his uh, the, the author's analysis of what it might be going on here. But I think we get the idea of the possibility here. And, I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if this was actually taking place uh, if not for the cover up of something like what we just talked about uh, in the last article, 
just bigger things, bigger things in terms of the vaccine issue, the, the virus issue, uh, as well as the connection to the Epstein conversation and everything else. Um, it ties to Zionists. I, I, I feel like this is a much bigger thing that people can't talk about because they'll, you know, get taken out or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, or they just, uh, you know, because China's technically they're, they're, you know, we talked about the Cold War, the, the Cold War II that China's waging on the West a couple episodes ago is a pretty big article. And it just feels like this is just part and part to that whole conversation that, yes, they are imposing themselves in this sort of uh, unspoken war, this cold war two situation with anybody that opposes freedom or any kind of democratic uh, or open market, free, free market, anything and trying to compromise all of it with the use of these types of compromises. And and it falls in line with a lot of the Epstein Epstein uh, type of things that were going on too, because especially politicians, when they're compromised, then they have to listen to the up on high or they're going to get mm-hmm. taken out, you know, one way or another, either lose all their money, be publicly humiliated or killed. So yeah, it just seems like the way of the world. And it just seems like this is a, another power play by China. And I would argue that it's entirely possible that, you know, the, the Vatican is accepting money to push, because if you look at the Vatican, if you look at especially Pope Francis, and a lot of I mean, he's a Jesuit, right? So they they really push the socialistic uh, worldview, and uh, and a lot of his statements in the past have also ringed, uh, you know, echoed the same type of sentiments uh, as socialists. So I wouldn't be surprised if the worldview here is is on par with the Chinese government, at least in terms of the Chinese government being able to use the Pope and the Vatican as another uh, very powerful, you know, religious arm. Uh, to take over the West, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's interesting and there's been uh, tentacles being found all over it. Now, a lot of this information I got from uh, the no agenda show, I recommend everybody check it out. Um, But uh, you know, they had a whole piece on how half uh, now the crackdown on the Chinese infiltration of America apparently has been going on quite a bit. Head of the FBI came out on February 10th and uh, talked to just really went in depth. And it was nice to hear, uh, you know, somebody actually in the system and much less at the top of the system um, describing just how influential the Chinese really are and the uh, different types of espionage been going on, not just uh, governmental, but also scientific espionage, uh, corporate espionage and how the Chinese, uh, you know, using infiltrants uh, have been stealing American technology and influence over the decades. Um, But FBI director on February 10th came out and just straight up said it and told everybody and uh, mentioned how half of all domestic terrorism cases being opened in the U.S., um, half of them are all against China. Right. I think there is something. There's a there's a new Chinese uh, related domestic terrorism case opened in the U.S. 
it was something crazy, like every three hours or something, or some, it was some crazy number. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the, it, it's nice to know that it's not necessarily being totally ignored by the powers that could do something about it. But, you know, obviously there's, uh, there's some questionable, um, there's some questions regarding the ultimate ability to do anything about it and how far up the infiltration goes. And that's where, you know, Trump fans, uh, Trump fans get, get a win on that one because, uh, at least the evidence shows, uh, and Trump's rhetoric shows, you know, the anti infiltration of American corporations and scientific institutions, um, from the Chinese. And so, yeah, I don't know. And, but, but it's what the wildest thing going back to the whole, you know, I don't know, dialectic situation of uh, Hong Kongers waving an American flag to push off communist China. And then you've got groups in America waving communist flags. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, just wanting to bring it on where there's it's not even we don't even have to look for. I mean, obviously, first of all, you look back in history, the most famous uh, accounts of communism happening around the world have resulted in a the biggest uh accounts of uh nation states murdering their own people as well as transferring the most wealth from the people to the leadership um, but even today you know it's not even a history lesson it's happening today in china yeah. uh, so i don't know it just confuses me man yeah it's a pretty wild situation so we're we're, yeah. we're in a doozy and the uh the economist cover the uh, trump uh, what was it? The Trump planet, the, the, the cards, the, the tarot cards. That first card was the East versus West. Right, you know, there you it's go. definitely coming into play. So, yeah. um, let's okay. move on here. And we, you want to talk uh, about some masks, mask madness, guns, madness. I know it's so crazy. Perfect. Here's just a fun one over on the New York Post. The article is titled Indian Man Wears $4,000 Gold Face Mask During Coronavirus Pandemic. Ding, this ding. coronavirus protection is pure gold, Gons. <laughs> Am I supposed to it, do a... Uh, hold no, on. I was Let me, letting, uh, the, letting the silence speak for itself. <laughs> I did have... And, and, I used to have a drum... Uh, here we go. Oh, wait, no, that's not the right one. I used to have like a, you know, a joke. Yeah, the, the boom cha. There you go. There it is. An Indian businessman is going viral after paying $4,000 to have a face mask made out of the pricey precious metal. Quote, it is a thin mask and has tiny pores that is helping me to breathe. <laughs> Shankar Karhade, 49 of Pune, told agents Agence France Presse. Uh, quote, people are asking me for selfies, he said. They are awestruck when they see me wearing the gold mask in markets. Awestruck. Kerhade, whose company makes industrial sheds. <laughs> the Shed King and his gold mask. Told the Indian Express that he, quote, didn't do it for publicity, but said the mask probably isn't the best choice to fight the contagion. <laughs> Well, at least he's under no delusion. Uh, quote, I am not sure if it will be effective to protect me from a coronavirus infection. He admitted to AFP about the mask that weighs 
2.2 ounces. The businessman said he's taking other precautions. It's not just the gold or cloth mask, but social distancing and hand washing that will protect human beings from the coronavirus, he told Indian Express. India has made face masks mandatory in public places in a bid to control the pandemic. As of Monday morning, the country had almost 700,000 confirmed cases was with close to 20,000 deaths, according to Johns Hopkins University data. So there you go. He's, he's making a statement there, Gons. <laughs> I was you trying know, to find the uh, Beast Make It Fashion jingle. Oh, I like that would have been great. Oh, I know. Man. I didn't, I didn't think of it at the time. Out. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it's, it's an interesting cultural thing. And, and uh, you know, any Indian from India will tell you this, that uh, wearing gold and, you know, kind of flaunting gold is, is a much bigger um, deal over in India. It's much more sort of socially acceptable to uh, wear a lot of gold out and about. Uh, a luxury that is pretty much primarily reserved for rappers in the U.S. Well, I was going to say that he might be uh, featured in some upcoming, you know, rap gangster rap videos. I think or we're going to see some more of these gold masks showing up in, uh, in rap videos for sure. Yeah. All right. Good job. Good job guy. You know, and it's, uh, you, you'd rather have a $4,000. And by the way, if you, uh, people looking at the picture of it here, if you're going to have a $4,000 gold mask, get a better strap for it. Get it. You know, <laughs> yeah, he's got he's the normal <laughs> elastic strap. That's just cheap. You know, yeah. Come on, man. Go with yeah. some. Go with the gold chain or something. Just, just get the whole thing together because it's a uh, yeah. Four thousand dollars seems a little cheap for that mask. I guess if it's just two ounces, two ounces. What, yeah, it's about eighteen hundred an ounce or something. Eighteen hundred. Yeah, that sounds yeah, about right. We're heading for some all time highs. A couple for gold, hundred but, bucks uh, for uh, manufacturing. Sounds yeah, good yeah, to me. Yeah, but uh, yeah, do something with the strap there. But anyway, the thing is. You'd uh, you'd be better off uh, in the United States for by wearing a gold mask because otherwise, uh, it might it might get you killed. COVID. This is theblaze.com. Security guard charged with murder after Ooh. shooting customer who entered store without wearing a mask. Whoa! What? <laughs> A California security guard is facing murder charges after authorities say he fatally shot a customer in the back following an argument about the customer entering the store without wearing a state-mandated face mask. Ooh. Now, I didn't realize that there were state-mandated, like specific state-mandated face masks. I thought you could just wear any know. kind of mask. But anyway. That might be, that might be a little mix-up there, but yeah. whatever it is. The victim, Jerry Lewis. Oh, no, they, he killed Jerry Lewis. Whoa, act, the actual Jerry Lewis? <laughs> a famous 90s rapper known as Madhead wow. had reportedly walked into the store while waiting for a tow truck after getting a flat tire. Uh, the Daily Mail reported that security guard Umir Hawkins, 38, was working security at the Green Farm Market in Gardena, when Lewis, 50, entered the store and was stopped by Hawkins for not wearing a required face covering. The two men became embroiled in an argument that became physical. Which, by the way, th you know all the, the video that's going viral right now with all the people just arguing and like yelling and screaming at each other yeah. because people walk in without a mask. It's crazy. Uh, Lewis left for a short time and then returned and another fight broke out between the two. Hawkins, his wife... Sabrina Carter, 50, had been waiting for her husband's shift to end and became involved in the altercation. 
she allegedly pointed a handgun uh, at Lewis and other customers in the store, police say. As Lewis turned to leave again, Hawkins allegedly pulled out a separate firearm and shot Lewis <laughs> in the back. Damn, why do they have so many guns? I don't know. That's that's a that's the a wife. I like how the security guard's wife came in and got involved. <laughs> Yikes. Oh my gosh. Uh and that's a that's a cheap move, man. You when you yeah. pull the gun and shoot him when he turns around, that's that's I don't like that. That is wild. Uh, according to KCAL TV, Lewis had stopped in the store while waiting on a tow truck after getting a flat tire in his vehicle. The outlet noted that, quote, Lewis was also known by his rapper alias Mad Head. Uh, he gained popularity in the 1990s for one of his songs, Pimpin' Ain't Easy, Pimpin which was featured easy. on the Beavis and Butthead Do America <laughs> tr- soundtrack, <laughs> which I think they're bringing back Beavis and Butthead. So uh, they are fantastic. Uh, <laughs> you know, ironically, this, this story, <laughs> I would imagine that uh, Madhead, if he knew about the gold mask, would mm. still be with us today. Could have all been avoided. I know. Fox News reported that in addition to Hawkins's murder charge, he and Carter, quote, were each charged with one count of possession of a handgun by a felon stemming from a prior conviction in 2013 for assault Whoa. by means of force likely to produce great bodily injury. Whoa. Bail for Hawkins was set at $1 million, and he faces a maximum sentence of 50 years to life if convicted. Carter's bail was set at $35,000. That's it? As she faces up That's to three years. Oh, the wife. Okay. I was going to say, okay. So the, all right. So he was set at 1 million. She was set at 35 K and she faces up to three years incarceration. So, uh, that's wild, yeah. man. This goes beyond the snitching. Oh, this is yeah. full on mask vigilanteism. I mean, oh, man, you know, I think, I think this, uh, this whole thing, the, you know, get into arguments about wear a mask, don't wear a mask and the science of it. And we'll tap into some of that in a moment here, but the psychological effect that people are having is way more, I think it's way more impactful because you know, the one thing that really bothers me about like, Hey, wear a mask, wear a mask is that, okay, I get it that it's not, it's not to prevent yourself from contracting the virus. It's so you, if, if you have it, you prevent others from getting it which right. is ridiculous because it just assumes that everyone has it, you know? Yeah. It's like a and guilty, be, guilty before, uh, uh, any kind of anything. You're just right. guilty. You're, you're infected. You're infected. No, And this is, this is a great thing I want to point out. Cause I, I kind of noticed, I, th- I, th- I can't remember if we've talked about this before, but in the messaging, when you talk about, uh, um, not when we, but when a mainstream or when anybody in the, you know, in a, uh, I'll just say mainstream, um, you know, position of communication, it's always talked about in, uh, spreading the virus. It's those, they only talk about people who spread the virus and they right. avoid talking about people who catch the virus. And it's very specific because they, what they're trying to do is not uh, demonize the people who catch the virus. They're trying to demonize people who spread the virus, right. which is this interesting sort of, uh, you know, rhetorical device where you turn. And this is where the mask thing comes from, um, because if you wear a mask, you are not 
well, allegedly, you're not spreading the virus. But if you catch the virus, you know, it's kind of like they're trying not to make uh, victims the, you know, a, the bad guys. But right. the problem is you can only spread the virus if you've caught the virus. Right. So it's this crazy like twist of uh, trying to categorize people and trying to sneak around rhetorically to try to not, you know, victim blame people for catching the virus. But only people who catch the virus can spread the virus. So you're talking about the same people. Uh, you know, you're not I mean, in theory, if you knew for a fact somebody didn't have the virus, you wouldn't care if they wore a mask or not because they're not going to spread the, you know, they're not going to spread it if they don't have right. it. But because we can't victim blame people who catch it, we have to uh, demonize the people who, quote unquote, are spreading it. This is very strange uh, sort of ouroboros of rhetoric yeah uh that uh you know they're trying to separate this victim uh slash uh you know predator <laughs> position that people can be in but you can't be a predator unless you are a victim and have caught it right. so yeah it's it's this really weird way that they're trying to sneak around talking about this and the answer and it makes total sense now with the masks the answer is you know, we don't want to blame the victim. So you don't want to make somebody who catches the virus a bad guy. So that means everybody has to pretend as if they have the virus and wear a mask. Yeah, um, that's what's so, crazy. Yeah, it's this weird construction of control where they don't have to put themselves in the, the position to, you know, call somebody a bad guy. But instead of picking out the real people who are sick and calling them a bad guy, you just treat everybody as a bad guy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> which, which is pretty indicative of everything going on, uh, especially in America right now. And it's kind of related to Black Lives Matter stuff. Now, I don't want to get into this, and I'm not trying to take any stances here, but the idea is... Uh, all people are racist. You know, that's, that's the idea that we're being <laughs> yeah. told is everybody is racist, no matter what, no matter who you are, no matter how you think, where you're raised, et cetera, et cetera. Everybody is racist. So therefore everybody needs to be anti-racist. Um, and it's the same thing with the mask is every, we need to treat everybody as if they have the virus. So, because we don't want to pick out individual people. Now, the problem with that is, you know, you call everybody racist. That also takes a lot of the, uh, the pressure off of actual racists. Exactly. <laughs> you know, you think yeah. about it, it, you know, now you have, if you're calling every person racist, you know, and, and I'm just talking about the systemic racism, the the conditioning, the racial conditioning, all that kind of stuff. But uh, then you have KKK members, you know, you could see them full on KKK member racist people saying like, well, I mean, we're all racist. So, you know, it's not that bad. I'm not the bad guy. We're all so bad you're agreeing. Guys. You're agreeing with the actual <laughs> true racist. It's just racists. such a weird yeah, position weird. to be putting everybody in. Yeah, for sure. And actually, this goes back to um, uh, the point you were making about how the, everybody's infected until proven not infected. And, <laughs> right. uh, and, and listen to Dr. Fauci talk about this with Dr. Francis Collins here. I think I found the spot here where he discusses how 
uh, young people because you know that's the focus now. They're trying to get young people to really comply and and uh, you know volunteer themselves for vaccine tests and stuff like oh, that. I know. Uh, but here's Fauci. Just a little a quick flashback here to that conversation. The average age of people getting infected now is a decade and a half younger than what it was a few months ago, particularly when New York and New Orleans and Chicago were getting hit very badly. That's the first thing. The second thing that we're trying to get the messaging across. Young people should not feel that they're invulnerable to serious consequences. The more we learn about this disease, Francis, the more we realize that many young people may not necessarily get sick enough to go to the hospital, but they can get very sick, put them out of action for weeks at a time. The other thing is they should not think that even if they get infected and they have no symptoms at all, that they are in a vacuum. They're not because by getting infected, they are propagating the outbreak because inadvertently or innocently, they could infect someone who would infect someone. And then all of a sudden, someone's grandmother, grandfather or aunt who's getting chemotherapy for breast cancer gets infected. So although you think you're isolated <laughs> in a vacuum, you're not. OK, so, yeah, it's just ridiculous. You can get it and you can infect someone who can infect someone who might have cancer basil and then and then you're a horrible right. person well and that's the that's another powerful thing is like you don't even know who you're gonna kill <laughs> by know. not wearing that's, a mask that's you might the... not kill your mom but you might kill somebody else's aunt and you don't yeah. even know it it's unbelievable I, okay i guess i mean that's just kind of how what is he's just talking about the butterfly effect here like <laughs> what know. What like, are you getting Every into? little thing I do is going to kill somebody somewhere. Well, if, <laughs> yeah, mean, if you want to really get down to it, yeah, the, the Fauci's probably killed some people without yeah. really, you know, if you're going to well, have that logic. You know, I don't even want to go into that. No, but he's certainly has. Yeah, it's few. crazy. Um, um, so, uh, it's, yeah, let's. Real let's, quick before we yeah. move on. Mm -hmm. uh, I just I saw this nice little meme going around uh, related to Fauci saying, "Oh, all these young people are cert are suddenly getting sick." It was a little uh, cartoon somebody made, and it's a in a doctor's office, and there's a, the doctor there standing, and then sitting on the the doctor bed, you know, in the in the uh, hospital there is a uh, a kid obviously a young person and they're in their full black antifa gear with their uh, fist uh you know the the fist up on their sweatshirt and their their red bandana and their black hoodie on you know just looking like an antifa member or something um or just protester i'll just say protester and the doctor's like oh this is so weird you haven't been to a church you didn't go to any bars you haven't gone to a baseball game you didn't go to any Trump rallies. I have no idea how you could have gotten the coronavirus, and and obviously it's because he was off at a protest. Um, uh, but you know we can't say that. Yep, that's how you get banned. Yeah, that's how you get banned. And uh, part of this whole thing, the perpetuation of the fear tactic here is about the death count, right? The fatality rate. Uh, right. So I wanted to to highlight. This isn't a story, but I, I wanted to highlight some things from. The CDC website themselves here. COVID. It will kill. Actually, that it will kill should have been the last one too. Uh, but this is, uh, we'll leave the links. All links are available in the description or the big giant paragraph block 
at canarycrynewstalk.com. Everything is hyperlinked there. Uh, but uh, the the CDC, the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, they have these technical notes, provisional death counts for coronavirus disease. And I was reading through this and I, I was just kind of like, wow, I didn't realize this was, you know, the whole thing was at this level. Uh, one section where it says comparing data in this report to other sources it says provisional death counts in this report will not mount match counts in other sources, such as media reports or numbers from county health departments. Uh, and then later it says uh, COVID-19 deaths may also be classified or defined differently in various reporting and surveillance systems. Death counts in this report include laboratory confirmed COVID-19 deaths and clinically confirmed COVID-19 deaths. This includes deaths where COVID-19 is listed as a presumed or probable cause. Okay, so we're already kind of starting to see like, all right, so there's a lot of room for interpretation there. Yeah, no Uh, certainty. Yeah, yeah. And then later in a section called cause of death classification and definition of deaths, it says mortality statistics are compiled in accordance with World Health Organization regulations specifying that WHO member nations classify and code causes of death with the current revision of the International Statistical Classification of Disease and Relation, uh, Related Health Problems, ICD. ICD provides the best or the basic guidance used in virtually all countries to code and classify causes of death, which means that the WHO are basically the, the arbiters of how all the deaths should be reported. Uh, It provides not only disease, injury, and poisoning categories, but also the rules used to select the single underlying cause of death for tabulation from the uh, several diagnoses that may be reported on a single death certificate, as well as definitions, tabulation lists, the format of the death certificate, and regulations on use of the classification. I was just kind of throw. I was like, wow, they're like literally the, the world health organization is like the one arbiter of like, this is how you must report the deaths. Mm-hmm. And again, room for error, room for human error to misinterpret or, you know, not find, not report it the wrong way. And then it says here, coronavirus disease deaths are identified using the ICD 10 code U 07.1. Uh, death, uh, deaths are coded to U07.1 when coronavirus disease 2019 or COVID-19 are reported as a cause that contributed to death on the death certificate. These can include laboratory-confirmed cases as well as cases without laboratory confirmation. So it's like, what? all right, okay, so <laughs> lab-confirmed, all right, maybe they had COVID, but without lab confirma- confirmation as well, all right. If the certifier suspects COVID-19 or determines it was likely, example, the circumstances were compelling within a reasonable degree of certainty, they can report COVID-19 as probable or presumed on the death certificate. COVID-19 is listed as the underlying cause of death certificate in 94% of deaths. So I was just appalled that they would put this in there. And, and, you know, no one's going to go here and read it and really try to, like, dig it out and understand it all. But it's right. right there on the CDC website. Like, I don't know. I, 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 am I off base here or overreacting here? Or are they just literally laying out how it's like, yeah, here are the rules. I mean, you can, it can be lab confirmed. It can't be lab confirmed. But as long as there's a reasonable amount of certainty, you know, you can report it as, as a COVID death. 
Yeah, um, and what's a reasonable amount of certainty? What is that's that? what I'm saying. That's you have a, what I'm you saying. have a cough, you have a sneeze, maybe you yeah. even have a fever. You, that could be any number of uh, you know different diseases, and that's you know that's just the problem. That's the problem we've been dealing with. And the great this is what I love about the CDC is. This C again, this is not conspiracy theory. We're no, reading it straight from the CDC. You go anywhere across the internet and you know, people are t- getting their videos taken down. They're getting their blogs taken down. Anybody who says, well, you know, there's lots of numbers that aren't necessarily, uh, you know, a lab confirmed COVID tests that are getting uh, called confirmed COVID tests and they get taken down. They get called a conspiracy theorist. And it says right here on the CDC, Eh, you don't need a positive COVID test to to count call it a COVID right. uh, case, you know. So yeah, no, I I think that's good. Pull and it right <laughs> from the CDC. I mean, the CDC website yeah. was the one saying we didn't need to wear masks for so right. long. Right. They've they've since adjusted the uh, the <laughs> the copy the language. Yeah. But but it still isn't what you're hearing. You know, no, you're it's hearing not. if you don't wear a, Fauci says you don't wear a mask, you're killing somebody's aunt. Uh, <laughs> but the CDC d- does not say that at no, all. No. And it yeah. says uh, in the estimated completeness of data, just one sentence here. It is important to note that the true levels of completeness are unknown and the estimates provided here are only a proxy. So even the estimated numbers provided by the CDC, which has been considerably lower than uh, than what you see Other on like news numbers, headlines yeah. and stuff, yeah. You, I mean, I mean, it's still pretty high, but it's still much lower than uh, you know. Because I'm what I'm looking at here. This is July 10th. The all deaths involving uh, COVID 19 is 119,000, and you go around social media, you look at headlines, 130,000, 135,000. We're gonna hit 150,000. It's all, you know, headlines are exaggerated numbers or whatever, but it's like right. the actual CDC numbers are much lower and it's they say that it's not lower. complete. Yeah. And they say it's not, a, not complete data. So, I mean, I don't know. I just don't understand how people can just buy headlines and, and especially when it comes to this kind of stuff, because you can dig for yourself. I guess that's the point. People aren't going to actually go to the website and look at it and, and read these giant paragraphs with complicated words and sentences and try to mm-hmm. make sense of yeah. what's going on. Um, that's why you listen to the show, right? Watch the show. Interesting note to make, Mm -hmm. um, as far as information we're being given by the mainstream versus what is directly being put out by, you know, these, these holy institutions like the CDC or the HWO. Have you noticed, I didn't, I didn't put together a whole thing. We might need to put together a whole thing for next week or something, but um, there's the big hullabaloo about Trump officially pulling out of the HWO. Right. Uh, yeah. I was going to mention that. Yeah. So we're officially America has officially pulled out of the HWO or WHO. And that means, uh, you know, no more funding from uh, the United States and stuff like that. And is this big old hullabaloo. Everybody's freaking out. And then suddenly it was like a day or two later the WHO is coming out with all these stories 
mitigating the you know mainstream media madness about it uh, yeah talking about like oh we actually aren't a hundred percent sure if it's very communicable through first it was surfaces they're like well yeah. actually we don't think you can really catch it through surfaces oh okay that's kind of weird that goes against everything we've been told and then a couple <laughs> days later well yeah you know we kind of just confirmed just now that uh uh, you know, it can spread through aerosol. So we think it's it's possible, but not very likely that it can spread through aerosol. We're like, what? <laughs> then what is the reason for all these masks? If we haven't confirmed the aerosol transmissibility from the WHO, this is the the organization that people want to blow up the, you know, the whole world because we're the United States is pulling out. And suddenly they're coming out and, and backpedaling. Talk about backpedaling. The mainstream right. loves to report on people backpedaling. They're not reporting on the WHO backpedaling. And now all these, for me personally, okay, my personal experience, um, a bunch of, uh, you know, liberal-minded people who do what they're told and believe, you know, what it, what a good liberal should believe, Um are now turning on the WHO. They're like, oh, the WHO, they're just, they're corrupt now because they're backpedaling on all these COVID facts. I'm like, they are the ones that you have been <laughs> using as the bastion of truth. And now they start backpedaling and suddenly what? Now they're corrupt or something because we're not part of them. They feel like they can. I don't. It's just nothing makes sense. No, the, no. The it whole. It, it just <clears throat> drives me mad. Yeah, yeah. And I actually this this uh, Threader dot app was uh, shared with me on social media, and this was uh, somebody who is pro mask and was sharing it to anybody who questioned the science of masks. And so there's a, a list of 70 scientific articles that uh, support the idea of wearing masks, preventing or uh, preventing spread. But also uh, some of these articles uh, claim prevention of uh, contracting, uh, you know, certain viruses. It's not all COVID because it goes, it starts off a lot with COVID, but it goes mm -hmm. back years so, um, you know, it, it's, it's more so in, in general masks in the efficacy of masks and stuff. But I read, I went through like the first six articles and I'm not a science kind of guy, you know, but I'm not, I'm not completely, I'm not an idiot either in terms of like, I can read this stuff and understand what they're saying to a certain level. Mm -hmm. Um, unless they get super technical, then I, then I tend to lose it a little bit, but a lot of these articles are not like in incredibly technical. First off, all the data that they're using is from the world health organization. So there's that, that aspect of it and the CDC. So you already have kind of a, uh, a lack of confidence when it comes to true data, but then every article that I went through, I didn't go through all 70, but every article talks about or mentions the, the, the idea of limited data, or they mention the variables that they are, are either uncertain of or could, you know, radically change the outcome of the results or conclusions they have, or they just completely omit any kind of like potential variable that can mess up the conclusion, you know? 
mm-hmm. was very cleverly written. A lot of these science papers are clever, cleverly done in that way. Uh, but there's a couple of them that like had visual, you know, representation. Oh, when you sneeze, look at look at how much the your spit travels. If you wear a mask, the spit doesn't travel as far. Well, it's like no kidding. You know, it's like, like <laughs> duh, you know, right. um, and therefore you have to wear a mask to prevent spread of the virus. And it's like, well, yeah, but then the other point being every single article assumed, like we mentioned earlier, that everybody is infected. There was no, like, there was nothing that, that really, right. I think tried to, uh, you know, look at the data and tried to di- dive into, okay people that are infected or how about people that aren't infected? I don't think it's as easy to find all that information and, and certainly not from just like a small study that's been done in the last couple months, you know, scramble people scrambling in the medical field to uh, come up with, um, you know, to, to make the money really. It's really uh, funny. You bring this up. I just sent you something on the Skype, on the, the Skype, the Skype. You uh-huh. want, if you're able to put that up on the screen, um, but I think it'll speak to just exactly what you're what you're talking about. Uh, I can kind of um, do it through your thing here. And um, for those uh, for those who are listening and can't see, uh, I will just explain it to you. It's that meme with uh, that goes between the rock in the front seat of a car and the little girl in the back seat. Yeah. And uh, the rock says, uh, "I don't have the coronavirus because I have no symptoms." And the little girl says, "Having no symptoms is one of the symptoms." <laughs> You must have it. <laughs> okay. That's pretty good. We're having fun. Yeah. Um, okay. What, where are we on these links here? What's the next one? Um, I one. Oh, okay. I got a, I got a video clip because, uh, according to, uh, this, this guy in Texas, we, you know, obviously if you're going to go outside, you got to wear a mask, right? If you're going to mm-hmm. go into, and, and I've been compliant with certain businesses. You want to walk into a business or, or a store or something. You're saying yeah. wear a mask. I'm going to be like, all right, fine. I'll wear a mask uh, because you know, I don't want to cause any trouble. Yeah. Uh, you know, but in my mind, I'm just the whole time I'm thinking this is ridiculous, but this guy is saying you got to wear a mask indoors now. We still need oh, people yeah. to wear the mask in public. We still need people to keep social distance and isolation. But Ryan, the one thing I want to try to get across today is we need to do that when we're in our homes also. As you know, I'm, I'm a lifelong San Antonio and grew up there, worked there for many years, and I know how many multi-generational families that we have. And while we believe the community is doing a great job of following the rules when they're outside of the home, we really need to be thinking about doing the same thing when we're inside the home. I mean, all of us are uh, are capable of catching this disease. None of us are immune from this. And the fact wow. that we need to get across this in order to protect ourselves, we need to protect our families and our loved ones. We really need to be thinking about the care that we're providing inside the home right now to make sure that we're not spreading this disease inside the home and then making it come outside. Okay. <laughs> and then this is the Fox News at nine studio, the, the home base guy. Listen to his question, because this is like the ridiculousness of mainstream news. <laughs> Before I do though, Basil, what's the message mm. of this guy from Austin? What what is he trying to say here? Wear a mask inside at all times forever. Okay, okay good. You got it. I think the most of the audience gets it too, but let's let's see what he says here. The house. So let me get this straight. What you're effectively saying is that people should be wearing masks inside their own homes now? Ryan, I'm saying if you can't socially distance and can't socially isolate, or if you've been out in public and exposing yourself and you haven't 
decontaminated yourself good enough when you get home. If you have someone that has underlying medical conditions at home, we really need to be thinking about that. Now, if you're the same two or three people that are living in the same house and you're really taking care of yourself and you're following all the rules, then you probably don't need to wear a mask in your home. But if you've gone out for Memorial Day or Fourth of July, or you've gone out to parties, or you've gone out to graduation parties, when Protest. you've gone out and you've come Protest. back in, you can no. be bringing that back inside. And I, I think it's no secret, we all like to relax when we're at home. But if we're not paying attention to how the virus spreads outside or inside the home, we're gonna keep spreading this virus. There you go, mask you go. in the home now. Mask forever. <laughs> Just out of control, man. Yeah. You gotta be joking. Um, yeah. And I'll, I'll just, you know, uh, yeah, go ahead. Uh, uh, well, I was just going to mention, cause you mentioned how you're wearing a mask. So, you know, you're a, you're a slave and a shell and a sheeple. And I know I was going to, I was going to put slave on my mask when I walk around, you know? <laughs> oh no, just you can't to, do that. Well, I guess maybe you as a person of color, you might be able to do uh, that. Yeah. I'm a POC. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I too, just to be clear, cause people, you know, people are wondering, I, I also wear a mask, uh, again, a, cause my, uh, my whole thing, I like to slip under the radar, you know, I'm not trying to pull anybody's attention. I don't need, <laughs> do you, do you, you know, really wear a mask? Really? Basil, Mr. Googly eyes there. <laughs> yeah, the no kin. <laughs> well, that's the point. It's like my dream come true. I can wear a mask wherever I want now. Nobody has to know who I am. Nobody has to see me. You know, I'm just another faceless mask wearer fading into the fading into the night. Um, so it's kind of fun that way. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, also, I just don't want to get beaten up or shot. For or shot. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I, I don't need to get shot for not wearing um, a mask and walking into a store and having their wife point a gun at me. The whole deal. It's going to be an issue. Yeah, um, actually, I do want to mention also, and this is kind of on the relation of mask and maybe, I don't know, we might be able to do something fun on the show. But uh, actually... Um, one of our dames, one of the the members of the Canary Cry Roundtable of Knights and Dames, sent me. It was uh, Dame Island Girls uh, sent mm. me a uh, an oximeter, an, a, a, a pulse oximeter. These little guys, you can you can buy them. Uh, I don't know where you can buy them, but you can buy them. They're what measures the oxygen level in your blood. Mm. Um, and you know, there's all these. Guns, I know you're not a man of science like me, no, but uh, I like to run my own little experiments. When when the flat earth stuff was coming out, I got my laser thermometer and measured how moonlight is colder than moonshade and et cetera, et cetera. Um, but uh, yeah, the Dame Island girl gave me this oximeter. And I uh, was wearing my mask, trying to see if it uh, lowered my oxygen level. And I got to say, I must be some sort of superhero because uh, <laughs> I will say my, my normal regular is just like those regular surgical masks, nothing fancy. Um, it did not noticeably lower my, uh, my oxygen level. So uh, good for there you, you go. I All know right. there's a lot of talk about that. And then, you know, about how, uh, you know, lowers your oxygen level, gives you carbon dioxide poisoning. I did not measure my carbon dioxide, but as far as the mask that I have, 
um, and the oximeter that I received, it does not show uh, any decrease in oxygen in my blood when I wear the mask. So don't worry, folks. I personally, I'm not saying it's not going to work for you. You might have a different uh, biology than me, but uh, don't don't worry about me. I'll be okay. Yeah, I saw some ads for some clear masks that might become a thing, you know? That's creepy. Uh, what are they yeah. made of? Plastic. How do you, you breathe? Know, I, I don't know. Little holes. You got to poke little your holes. own little air holes. Yeah. Air holes <laughs> that, yeah. It's, it's completely cellophane. defeat the purpose. Comes with um, a little needle that you can poke your own air holes. Yeah. Uh, let's, let's do this real quick and then we'll take a quick break here. But uh, the New England Journal of Medicine. Again, all the links will be in the uh, canarycrynewstalk.com. Uh, the New England Journal of Medicine universal masking in hospitals in the COVID-19 era. And uh, this is, again, this was published on May 21st and it has uh, 24 cited articles and uh, a couple things jumped out at me. Uh, there was a part earlier that uh, I thought I had it highlighted, but I guess I don't. Um, where does it say here? Uh, well, it goes into the health workers. And, uh, you know, the, the risks there, and obviously the health workers are a little bit of a different situation than, uh, you know, your normal people that are out and about. Um, it says here, we know that wearing a mask outside healthcare facilities offers little, if any protection from infection. Again, this is, you know, talking about contracting the infection. And then later at the bottom here, it says, it is also clear that masks serve symbolic roles yeah masks are not only tools they are also talisman that may help increase healthcare workers perceived sense of safety well-being and trust in their hospitals uh, and then later down it says expanded masking protocols greatest contribution may be to reduce the transmission of anxiety over Ooh. and above whatever role they may play in reducing wow. transmission of COVID-19. This is the, the New England Journal of Medicine saying that the masks are going to help with anxiety about the virus more than yeah, actually well, preventing symbol. you from getting the virus. Yeah, that's actually, that's that's exactly right. And I think it's great that a that a scientific publication is telling the truth yeah. because we we do know this. I mean, every scientific outlet, not a mainstream news outlet, not, you know, something like that, but scientific outlets are saying, "No, the mask is not really going to protect you from a virus. If the virus comes near you, you're going to get it." But uh, but it's the symbol and daddy Fauci said it. It's the symbol of togetherness. Right. I protect you. You protect me. We're all in this together. It's the symbol, the talisman of trust and safety um, that is the mask. And that, there you go. I mean, that's that it's nice to just see them outright saying it. And I think that's the truth. And I think, I think there is a way. Now, first of all, if it's not going to protect you from the coronavirus, then it's not going to protect you from the coronavirus. That's just what it is. But, you know, if it's a symbol of, uh, you know, togetherness and stuff like that, it's it, it honestly, if they just would have said that in the first place, 
<laughs> like without having to lie about the efficacy of masks and having to shame people who don't wear masks, call them murderers, literally shoot them in the back for not wearing a mask. If they would have just come out and been like, hey, everybody, this is not really going to help. But, you know, we're all just trying to get along here. And, the, you know, if you just want to uh, let everybody know that we're all in this together, wear a mask. I, I think a lot of people would be more willing to wear it, but it's all this mandating of masks, lying that it's actually going to protect you, all this kind of stuff created a lot of resistance that I think they could have uh, gotten out of by just being truthful in the first place. Yeah. And uh, I, I didn't want to get into it because uh, we're, you know, we're short on time here because uh, we've been talking about this for a while now, but Gavin Newsom took a page out of the Trump tweet uh, methods and he uh. tweeted out where period a uh, period <laughs> mask period all caps. And of course, Gavin Newsom with his uh, half a billion dollars sent to wired to some random Chinese car manufacturing company that didn't even pass uh, the safety regulations in America and even democratic officials saying like, Hey, we didn't even see the contract before Newsom sent this money over. It's ridiculous. And it's funny because the first, the top uh, response, at least on my feed here is where are our hashtag made in China masks? So I don't <laughs> even know if they actually made it back, but he made a, he made a basically a billion dollar deal with some random Chinese car, com car manufacturing company right. or electric car manufacturing company to make masks. I know. And I don't and know, man. It's crazy. The virtue signaling is the Chinese company. They're like, yeah, the don't Chinese be racist. They're, they're wear a made in China mask. <laughs> <laughs> it's just out of control, man. Anyway. Okay. All right. Let's, all let's right, take a break. We move we're on done. with the show yeah, here. We've spent a lot of time on this. We, we vowed to ourselves. I don't know if we said it on the show, but we vowed to ourselves. No, we're going to, we're not going to talk about masks. No, we're going to cut down on the COVID news. We don't need, you know, everybody's talking about the masks. We don't need to get involved. And here we are two hours later. Exclusively oh, there's, talking it's just about so masks. infuriating. There's like the information, like I'm not spending in my entire lifetime of, of, or my entire like day and nights, you know, trying to find all this information, I'm spending a few hours here and there, but it's not information that you can't find if you go out and look for it. But you know, people just, I don't know, people just believe the politicians or believe the Fauci's and the, yeah. It's just frustrating. They don't believe the science, the actual scientists at the CDC, yeah. the WHO, and the New England Journal of Medicine. You read yeah. the actual science. Don't worry yeah. about the mask. It's a yeah. symbol. I know. All right, let's move on. Let's take a little break. It's break time. Okay, folks, don't go anywhere. We're just going to take a quick little break, but uh, stick around because in a few minutes, we're going to be talking about uh, a little bit more uh, insight into the Vatican doctors. Um, we're doing some other fancy stuff while we're talking about the Vatican doctors. We got scientific a scientific breakthroughs. 33 alert coming up, mm -hmm. so make sure that we you got to get your 33 update. Um, we're going to be talking about, uh, let's see, some racist aliens, I think. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> And then a little bit of uh, the Four Horsemen of the Technocalypse. So some really important stuff. Don't go anywhere. But we wanted to take the opportunity to thank some of our new Twitch users. And there's some funny ones, Gons. You're going to love it. Now, right, Twitch, uh, Twitch, Twitch viewership 
our our overall viewership is is great today, great numbers. Um, but the Twitch specific viewership is uh, it could be a little higher. It's a, it's a little low, but that's okay. Thanks everybody for being there. And if uh, if you're not yet following us on Twitch. You really should. It, it helps Gons and I out uh, quite a bit. Um, so even for our sake, if you could follow us, follow us on Twitch, that'd be great. Watch the show on Twitch. Um, Gons will drop that link in the chat there. Twitch.tv slash Canary Cry Radio. And here are some new Twitch followers. Are you ready? Gons, you got your dinger ready? Hold on. Got to send oh. the link. But yes, I'm giving ready. you too many things to do at yeah, once. Yeah, yeah. I need my All octopus right. arms. Yeah. All right. Let me know when you're ready. I'm ready. Here, I'll refresh just to get any new people who popped in. Oh, yeah. Okay, here we go. We're starting out with Chippy McMonk. Ooh. Thank like you, that. Chippy McMonk. Uh, Didymus1979. Ooh. Uh, PVT malfunction. <laughs> Pop Top 377. And one of my favorites from today, uh, we've got a wonderful celebrity following us. Uh, this user is uh, Biden's Nose. Oh, interesting. Watch out, Biden's Nose. It's coming for you. It's hairy and it's under <laughs> he'll, a mask. He'll sniff you. He'll get you. <laughs> uh, we've got Weibo Kunoichi. Weibo Kunoichi. Thank All you right. very much. True Spirator. True Spirator. Technocrap One. Techno is it technocrap? Technocrap, like uh, mm. yeah, one. Yeah, that's good. Here, like uh, her Earth. Thank you, her Earth. Kilfanan, Kilfanan. Colony dude. Colony dude. Rodsworth seventy-seven. Manic Annika. Twitch the canary. Ooh. Designated Dan for life. Ben Schwagel. Liquid solid plasma. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. That's all for today. Thank you so much for following us on Twitch. It really helps us out, especially uh, when you watch the show on Twitch. That also helps us out. Make sure to follow us at twitch.tv slash radio. Turn on notifications. Uh, it's a great way to, uh, A, watch the show. Uh, the the quality is better. The stream drops less often, and the uh, emojis in the chat are just uh, top notch. Um, now, Gons, for a few episodes now, I've been talking about wanting to read some reviews. Yes, and uh, I just haven't done it. We've we've kind of speed through a, co- a few shows here, but I have here some reviews that I want to uh, read for you, and I want to inspire. I want to inspire other people who listen to the show to leave ratings and reviews on uh, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, uh, stuff like that. Um, I think we had somebody leave a comment in German. Uh, yeah, on I saw that. Did you translate that one? <laughs> I did not translate it. I don't know okay. what it says, but whatever German listener did that, I appreciate. Uh, I'm going to try to maybe I'm, do it. Real I'm quick. not even positive if it's German. Uh, it it's, might it's be. One of I those. thought it was. Yeah, I thought it was some other Scandinavian, some language. European, Northern European language. Um, so thank you. But here we go. I am uh, going to pull a few. I kind of had to do it at random. There's a lot of good ones, but uh, this one's on the Canary Cry News Talk Apple Podcast page uh, from One Red Eye Four Twenty. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
one two flippies coming for you is the right. subject line thought-provoking like podcast featuring topics that are entertaining informative and steeped in humor not sure how one steeps a podcast in humor sounds dangerous considering the amount of electrical and personal computing equipment involved but i'm certain they make a visine for that <laughs> in any event <laughs> maybe you meant vaccine Visine or vaccine I don't know. for that. He's talking about the what's his handle? One or red the eye title for yeah, twenty. So maybe he's talking about. Yeah, you never know. That. In any event, adding this show to playlist will not end in regret. Keep up the good work, guys. Thank you very much, One Red Eye. He also adds a, or they also add a note at the end. Uh, note, no artificially intelligent, lower wage earning robots were harmed or marginalized in the making of this podcast. <laughs> it's true. It speaks it's the true. truth. That's true. Thank you so much for that one, Red, One Red Eye. We also have uh, Tay6782 says, love you guys. The best news commentary out there Ooh, i like that Ooh. they make it fun they're fair they're christian keep up the good work then a bunch of emojis i'll add woke too thank you although that word is kind of cheesy to me you get my point though thank you very much uh, tay 6782 um we're woke gons awesome we're fun fair christian and woke I like uh, We've got another one here from Lizard, the only Liz. Fringe topics <laughs> without the tinfoil hat. That's the nicest thing anybody's ever said to me. <laughs> Alternative <laughs> Christian community, relevant topics for this strange time we are in. And this is great. Take note for all you Face Like the Sun YouTube viewers. For all the Face Like the Sun people, eventually you'll get used to Basil. <laughs> so... There is hope. There is hope. There's out hope there. for you, my friend. You YouTube people. Do you want to read uh, the CCR reviews there? Uh, we can. I, I'll I've do actually. It. I got them right here. I'll just you, go fast. You got them. I, I was going to read the. Uh, it was Norwegian. Oh, Norwegian great. Bokma. Oh, uh, what they say? It, they said fantastic. Uh, I, I don't think this word translated. Hailt carried. I don't know what that means. Fun and instructive as usual. So I, I don't go. know what hilt carried means, but I don't know either. But thank you, Norwegian yeah. listener. Who yeah, awesome. A couple more here. This is on the Canary Cry Radio, not the news talk, but the Canary Cry Radio uh, Apple podcast uh, reviews here. Favorite podcasters, great podcast. May uh, my go-to for Christian fringe type stuff. Thank you very much. Cool. I Faith twelve fifteen says the best best podcast. Period. Ooh. Boom. Yeah. And then Jerry says, intelligent, informative, and fun guys. I really appreciate their research, and they're really inspiring. I appreciate their wit, humor, and most of all, their Christian spiritual insight into timely matters. And that was Jerry or Thai Girl for God Radio. So thank you guys right. very much for those ratings and reviews. And please, if you are here now, uh, remember, we put out the podcast version of this show uh, well, every th every show, three times a week. Um, so make sure to follow us on whatever podcast uh, app that you use. Subscribe. It'll automatically get delivered to your phone. So if you miss a live one and you're just out on the town and want to listen, uh, you'll have that there. And leave a rating and a review. It's very helpful for the show. And I might read it on the show. And that's fun. Cool. Sounds okay. good. Ready to wake ready up, Gons? To, uh, wake up. I'm ready to wake up. Yes, it's wake up time. Hey, y'all, wake up. Yes. And we are getting into... Oh, shoot. Did I not... Oh, my gosh. I don't think I set up that jingle. 
Oh, I thought no. I, had, I thought I was ready with all my jingles. I'll find you it. You want me to stall? Stall for like, yeah, for like 10 seconds. Okay. So we talked about the Vatican uh, uh, collection of doctors before. Uh, Dr. Uh, what is his name? Francis Collins. Illuminati connected Francis Collins. Uh, talking about the Vatican <laughs> there. But the Vatican has not stopped there. Their doctors are busy at work uh, doing all sorts of fancy stuff. And we're going to bring you an article here from foxnews.com. So, boom. Got it. <laughs> Stalled. <laughs> All right. Do you want to do this or you want me to do it? You do this one. Okay. Foxnews.com. Conjoined twins with fused skulls successfully separated at Vatican Hospital, doctors Ooh. say. Uh, and it says here, twin girls with fused skulls were successfully separated. Doctors at the Vatican's pediatric hospital announced on Tuesday. Uh, the twins... Irvina and Perfina Bangalo were born in 2018 in Mbaiki, Baiki, Central African Republic, with their skulls attached, sharing critical blood vessels near their brain. The Bambino Gisu Pediatric Hospital, which is Vatican-owned but operates within the Italian public health system, brought the twins and their mother to Italy soon after their birth. At the press conference, Dr. Carlo Maras, chief of pediatric neurosurgery at Bambino Gesù, said, The girls are recovering well, and they are expected to lead normal lives after a rehabil- rehabilitation phase. Wow. The girls' skulls were joined back-to-back in what the medical community calls, quote, total posterior cra- uh, craniopagus. Uh, Detroit-area neurosurgeon and President... Uh, Yoganathan Neurosurgery. That's not his name, is it? Yohanathan. Yohanathan Neurosurgery is his name? <laughs> I don't know. I don't. Oh, I see it. No, they messed up. They they doubled up on it. Yeah, it's weird. Just push through, man. Typo. <laughs> Detroit area neurosurgeon and president. Oh, president of Yohanathan Neurosurgery. Okay, that makes more sense. Dr. J. Yahan Nathan, oh my gosh, who was not involved in the surgery, told Fox News of the challenges involved in such a technical procedure. Quote, pediatric brain surgery is especially challenging because the skull tends to be extremely vascular, meaning it has a lot of blood supply, Yohan Nathan said. A lot of times in the cases where children are connected in the head, veins and blood vessels are often connected as well. In addition to that, circulating blood volume in a child is significantly less than an adult. As a result, there's much less room for error in terms of blood loss, he said. Johannathan said the surgery requires a multidisciplinary approach alongside the neurosurgeon. Plastic surgeons assist in wound closure and aestheticians manage patient stability and blood loss, among other healthcare professionals involved. As for the success rate of these surgeries, there is a high degree of variability depending on the location of the conjoinment. Uh, but there you go. The Vatican owned hospital with a breakthrough of uh, separating conjoined twins who were huh. fused at the skull. That's pretty cool. So uh, that's pretty good stuff, but uh, I yeah. know where you're going. I don't think we should go there. Where, where, where was I going? Where, where, where did you I think I was I going? I saw some people in the chat uh, <laughs> throwing around the word Nephilim, but oh. I don't know if I want to do that with these cute little babies. <laughs> No, I'll just do that. No. <laughs> We're not going to do the whole thing, you know. Yeah, that's great. Well, I'm glad these. I'm glad it went well. That's. It seemed like that was a big deal that they were able uh, to do that. 
it's it seems like a pretty pretty big breakthrough yeah. uh and yeah that's good for these girls and i hope they live you know a long healthy life yeah we'll um, see guns that Ch- china pays the vatican two billion a year uh to not say anything bad about china and then the vatican turns around and and fixes these babies with the two billion so china fixed these babies yeah until so the- thanks communism <laughs> All right, that's going to be the intro to, uh, to the episode the of you saying thanks, communism. Thanks, communism. Uh, <laughs> yeah, turn that one around on you. Got you. All well, right, I was gonna let's say, move on. Oh. I was going to say that they're probably going to try to to figure out the genetics to uh, to reverse it, you know, for the Chinese for so their, uh, com- yeah, so they can create their own, you know, like Gemini twin Nephilim, oh yes, Nephilim super babies. soldiers. Yeah, super soldiers. Double combined are, super soldiers. Yeah, okay. yeah, something That's like fun. that. Okay. All right. <laughs> you know, sometimes we do some deep analysis. Sometimes <laughs> we'll connect the dots that nobody else has, and then sometimes we'll. You just, just can't do tell that. if we're we'll being just sarcastic do what we or just not. Did. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm gonna bring you this one from bu.edu. And this is, uh, this is an interesting one. Documenting how pandemic lockdown changed eternal cities' religions. Whoa. The Vatican mm. and Rome have become vernacular synonyms entwined as they are by history and geography. Yet, the eternal city has been home to many other religious groups besides Roman Catholicism for millennia. Scholar filmmaker Jen Lindsay has documented how religious Romans of various stripes have sought God this year as COVID-19 stripped communal worship during some traditions most sacred observances. Wow, this is getting pretty heavy. Am I just going to run into the thing I need to run into, guys? Yes, it's the next pair, okay. next sentence. Quarantined faith. Ooh, quarantine faith. Rome, religion, and coronavirus is Lindsay's 33-minute survey of Easter, Passover, and Ramadan 2020, along with views of non-Abrahamic traditions like Buddhism as they unfolded during lockdown in Italy, one of the nations uh, slammed hardest by the pandemic. So boom, there you go. There's your 33 alert, everybody. For those who don't know, 33 is a number used to signal by the elites. Uh, What are they signaling? We don't quite know, but it's always popping up and it seems to uh, have some sort of connection in the way that uh, the world moves thereafter. And uh, like we saw at the very beginning, there's 33 thrown in there for uh, some stories about police. And of course, we see some big changes in policing in America. And here we go. This is a 33 uh, Vatican based 33 minute survey. Uh, uh, Well, it's a documentary um, basically surrounding the conglomeration of religions that happens in the eternal city in the Vatican. So very interesting there. Some signaling towards a one world uh, religion, of course, centered in the Vatican should not become uh, should not be a surprise to anybody listening to this show or if you if it is a surprise uh we've got a whole body of work for you to explore and learn why this is such a big deal uh just check out canary cry radio or any of the canary cry news talk uh collections yeah and Um, 33 also uh 33 degree parallel 
yes. uh, having all kinds of ancient structures on that line across the world. So including the Vatican, into. I believe. I think so. Yeah. Isn't I think the, the Vatican, Vatican on the 33rd? Yeah. Um, I might have to double check that, but I think so. Yeah. It's, it, okay. but like the other, other crazy places like Roswell and, uh, where else? Uh, people in the chat probably know of places. You'll, yeah. you'll probably see you it go. through the chat. That's here. the that's what I love about this. You know, if we don't, if we kind of bring something up and don't want to necessarily have the time or the energy to go deep into it on this one particular show, if you watch the chat, the whole, <laughs> all the research gets laid out there, and people yeah. can look at the chat and and search everything out. Right. Um, so I don't know. Do you want to hear more about this or? Well, there was one. There was just one little highlight that I made at the very bottom. It kind of goes into an interview interview with the uh, producer of the film. And um, the question was asked, do you think the predictions of religious reform some of your interviewees make will follow the lifting of lockdowns or will we return to life as usual? And she answered, Italy's collapse into quarantine necessitated the fast development of infrastructures and networks to connect people throughout the crisis. I think many of those are here to stay. Zoom worship Zoom community events and sacred text study social network channels and uh, that connect people within and beyond their own congregations. Is that a phrase that you've heard? Zoom worship? <clears throat> uh, it's not a phrase I've heard, but is that just a worship on Zoom? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've seen it happen, but Zoom I know I've, worship I, I know makes it like you're it. worshiping Zoom. <laughs> that's, that's kind of what I was saying. Oh, which is, Zoom. <laughs> Thank you for connecting us humans. It's the, uh, it's the, uh, the empathy box from, uh, do androids dream of electric sheep. That's you just log on to zoom and feel, yep. feel one with humanity. The empathy box. Yeah. Uh, all right. Yeah. Mercerism is it. called mercerism. Mercerism. Oh, I know we forgot the name of that, like 10 episodes of go ago. <laughs> and it just occurred to me. It was called mercerism. Yeah. All right. Okay, um, let's uh, tell me about some here. racist aliens. Aliens. This was a. I just loved reading this story because it's CNN travel, uh, which is always going to be great. And UNESCO. Uh, it's titled "Have you visited these UNESCO sites?" Some mm. say aliens have, and <laughs> it actually. You'll, what you'll see here is they actually slam the ancient astronauts uh, after a while here. Um, and UNESCO being tied to the United Nations, which is part mm -hmm. of the World Health Organization and the whole deal. And if you remember, the UNESCO had a, a commercial, I think it was UNESCO, uh, where there was a, a commercial a few years ago where there's like kids in school and there's like an alien, like a literal alien kid uh, <laughs> who's like I ousted. I do not remember this. You don't remember this? Okay, I'm going to have to pull it up. There's uh, an alien kid? Yeah, there's an alien kid who's like not being, you know, he's being teased and like, um, you know, people are making fun of him. And then he performs these miracles. And then uh, the, all, the, all the people or all the kids like accept him. What? Into the, you've never seen this commercial? I don't think so. Pull it up. Why don't you okay. pull that up? Uh, we had some people asking what UNESCO is. So I will tell them what UNESCO is. While oh, you crazy. My video. my video on this from September 7th, 2015 titled Superhenge UNESCO climate change. Pope Francis and the alien connection is the first thing that popped up. So <laughs> oh boom, I'm doing so it. UNESCO is the United <laughs> Nations Educational Scientific and Cultural Organization. Right. Um, Maybe it was UNICEF. It might've been UNICEF and not UNESCO. 
which is, oh, I mean, you... they're all part of the UN, so it doesn't really matter. But okay. let me, do you want me to play this video, the commercial for you? Or do you, do you wanna... have it? Well, let me finish this definition and then we'll go okay. into it. It's the special agency of the United Nations aimed at contributing to the building of peace, the eradication of poverty, sustainable development, and intercultural dialogue through education, the sciences, culture, communication, and information. It is the successor of the League of Nations mm-hmm. International Committee on Intellectual Cooperation. So very end. NWO, one world type of group, but they're mainly focused on um, educational experiences. Right. Okay. So I think this might be somebody else's video, you know, talking about it or whatever. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah. Did I lose you? No, I'm here. Can you Uh, hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay. So here's, I I don't know if someone's talking over this. We'll see here. So uh, it's just a bunch of kids in the classroom. And the alien boy, so you know everyone's going, oh, who's that alien boy? Creepy. And uh, he's walking around. People are teasing him. They're throwing stuff at him. He is pretty creepy. He, he definitely fair. is very creepy. Uh, people spitting on him. Not cool. He's in the library all by himself, reading books. Oh, people scaring him. They're just not very nice to him. Oh, poor alien boy. Poor alien. He drops a pencil. He picks it up with his gooey. <laughs> he's got like alien goo everywhere. <laughs> and then he he g- gives an apple, this blue apple, to this uh, other student there. Oh, he has alien apple. Hmm. Yes, and now he's. Uh, I think he's going to start. F- yeah, he's, he makes this girl float Ooh. with his magical alien powers, and now everyone's oh. going, "Whoa, cool, cool we alien like him kid!" Now. And we're all we're all friends now. He can perform miracles. Yeah, so that that's. I guess it was UNICEF, but yeah, UN related. I mean, you don't remember that commercial? It was just insane. No, I didn't see it. I do want to bring up one weird thing, not to not to derail you, but I'm looking in the Twitch chat and we got an auto moderator uh, thing, which we do occasionally, you know, people trying to use bad words and stuff. So it, it sends us a little message like, do you want to allow oh, okay. this? And we usually just miss it because we don't pay that much attention. Yeah. But it flagged, uh, it flagged the word ecumenism which is a concept and principle church. by Christians of different church traditions and denominations yeah. to develop closer relationships and better unity between other traditions and denominations of Christianity. <laughs> it's sort of the, the, I don't know, the, the outreach, you can almost call it outreach. <laughs> um, wow. And it got flagged for sexual content. Oh my God. Come on, Twitch. Yeah. Yo, Twitch. Ecumenicalism or ecumen whatever <laughs> got uh, flagged for sexual content. Very strange. Wow. All right. Hmm. Well, maybe they need to fix their algos because they don't know what they're doing. As I can picture somebody, you know, uh, in ba- in the back doing all the algo stuff, trying to uh, connect all that and then failing. Yeah. Very saying, strange. Oh, yeah, that sounds like a sexual word. I don't know what that is. Sounds like a sex act. <laughs> All right, All right. So this, this article here says, uh, Eric von Doniken dried his sweaty palms with granite dust as he scaled the Great Pyramid of Giza, crawling block by block up the nearly 4,000-year-old monument. It was 1954 when you can still climb the pyramids. Von Doniken, a 19-year-old with a Catholic education and a passion for flying saucers, was captivated. 14 years later, he published an influential book called Chariots of the Gods, arguing that extraterrestrials influenced ancient sites. The pyramids included the magnificent Giza pyramids are among the world's most famous ancient uh, places, uh, part of the sprawling UNESCO World Heritage Site. 
that brings travelers to Egypt from across the globe. And uh, my mouse here had just died. Oh, that's not good. No. Uh -oh. There we go. We got a little movement here. Um, the magnificent pyramids are among those. Uh, okay. Uh, visitors come to explore hidden burial chambers, go eye to eye with the mysterious Sphinx, and take in the sheer scale of Egypt's grandest monuments. Von Daniken proposed that aliens offer technological help in building them. Um, and it goes a little bit more into Von Daniken's history here, which uh, we don't have to get into, especially since Dr. Heiser challenged him to a, <laughs> challenged him to a duo did before he? he passed away. Yeah, he, mm. yeah. Uh, he didn't respond. Uh, mm. But he did sell 63 million copies of his book. So, you know, Heiser's probably just... Yeah, trying to oh, catch up. you know, it's too bad. I'm looking at the article you you have here, and they missed a they missed a, a chance. It said he went on to write 32 additional ah, volumes. Oh, well, 32 yeah, he, additional volumes. That's 33. Oh, baby. That's 33. Boom. There you go. What are the chances? We didn't even plan that 33 no, being. No. And it's just there, connected UNESCO and WO, yeah. League of Nations. Look at uh, and then they get into another UNESCO site, Teotihuacan. Uh, where the Aztec kings once ruled near modern-day Mexico City could have been a spaceport. Pointing <laughs> and to this Micah. is on CNN travel. It's on CNN, yeah. But, uh, <laughs> you know that Ancient Aliens debunked by Chris White debunked all of this stuff, you know? Yeah, right. So uh, there's that. But I want <laughs> to get to the part that I really loved here. Uh, Peruvian scientists agree that the Nazca lines are mysterious but believe they are linked instead to rituals in water instead of some kind of like alien thing. Mm -hmm. Teaching the alternative to ancient uh, astronauts archaeologist Sarah Parsak uh, teaches a seminar on debunking archaeological myths and hoaxes at the University of Alabama at Birmingham in the class she pushes back on theories about ancient aliens like those proposed by Von Doniken she sees it as important work you know I'm reading this I'm going okay all right maybe she's seen Chris White's thing you know and the whole deal yeah. quote the belief that aliens built the pyramids or in fact, any ancient monument is deeply racist. Oh no. <laughs> Parsec says it's no coincidence that alien theories focus on places home to black, brown and indigenous oh, people. She notes. Gosh. Oh yeah. That's, that's her whole thing. Well, here. That's a good point. Actually. I gotta <laughs> say, I can't think of <laughs> any, does. I can't think of any alien. Stonehenge. Stonehenge. Alien. Oh, yep. Stonehenge. Okay, yeah. there you go. Debunked. Parsec. As racist against racist druids, debunked. though. <laughs> um, I do got to say, just a shout out real quick. I haven't yeah. not seen this uh, user in chat before, so I don't know if they're new or not, but lucky number 33 Ooh. now follows us on Twitch, and uh, they just, Oops, that's not the <laughs> they just put in the ding beginning. whenever that pops up. They ding themselves. I was going to try to, okay, yeah, all right, that, that works. I was going to do the you know, other ding, but this works. This is an interesting connection um, because a few, maybe a month ago now, actually, I don't know, we do three shows a week. This could have been last week. Uh, they were talking about how the pyramids are racist. A UK right. Black Lives Matter group was saying the pyramids are racist and we need to tear them down. <laughs> well, now it's right. The race, the pyramids, they're, they're screwed, man. They're going to get taken down no matter what, because it's racist. If slaves build them, it's racist. If aliens built them, it's racist. You know, the, the pyramids are just racist, man. I did see uh, a post somewhere of and I didn't really look into it, but you know how the Albert Pike statue went down? Uh-huh. 
And some, uh, I think some pastor somewhere said that that's God judging the Freemasons in America. And I thought, you know, maybe, but man, that's a really small, that's not (laughs) that intense of a judgment. Not very much wrath. No, (laughs) especially since they're taking down everything else along with it. It's like, I don't know. I mean, maybe, (laughs) maybe that's like the, the silver lining, I suppose. But uh, anyway, yeah, I just thought it was. Interesting um, that the, uh, the the rebuttal to to the ancient alien theory, the ancient astronaut theory, is not so much that hey, you know, there's some more plausible explanations for some of this that you know some of these ancient monuments. No, it's just racist. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness! All right, that's about I mean, it for the CNN article. I lost the document. There it is. All right. Well, let's uh, let's talk about. Uh, whoa, whoa, whoa! I got lost. Nope. Okay, let's talk about the uh, four horsemen of the technocalypse. The four horsemen of the technocalypse. Anytime you see the four horsemen, it's something special. All right, this is an interesting sort of opinion piece, and I want to hear what you have to say about it. I'm over here on ArcDigital.media, uh, which is a, a medium. Um, I don't know. Sub. Looks like a sub. Yeah, sub URL or sub outlet or something. Um, But it's titled Facebook is fireproof from boycotts. That's a good thing. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Mark Zuckerberg isn't too worried about 25 of Facebook's biggest spenders pausing their advertising. Nor should he be. He's had a major consumer. He's had the major consumer brands by the throat for a while, and they all know it, which means that as this advertiser boycott of Facebook gains momentum, those interested in waging culture wars via giant corporate proxies will be disappointed. As of writing, a quarter of Facebook's top 100 advertisers have halted spending. The boycott organized by hashtag stop hate for profit demands that Facebook censor alleged white, uh, white. Oh my gosh. The, the brainwashing <laughs> the is strong. Oh, your racism the, is bleeding the, through. Oh, I've been completely conditioned. Uh, the real sentence is Facebook. Uh, they demand that Facebook censor alleged hate speech. And my brain just put white in there. Oh gosh. <laughs> It's bad. Demands that Facebook censor alleged hate speech and misinformation. CNN and a data firm estimated the impact of a best case scenario of the boycott. Best case scenario, quote, even if all 100 of Facebook's biggest advertisers joined in, they would account for just 6% of the company's annual revenue. Pause to take that figure in. Those 100 advertisers represent the most well-known brand names in the world. They are some of the largest corporations on the planet owned by some of the wealthiest people alive. If another platform had a quarter of those big players pause their media spending, they would be in panic mode. If a small publisher had a single one of those advertisers withdraw permanently, they would have to close entirely. The biggest success story from Facebook's business model is the diversification and democratization of its advertisers. The company may an enormous digital hangout for billions of people to use by crafting little networks for themselves, then offered to let them reach people outside those immediate circles for a modest fee and a few stipulations. 
The drawbacks of easy advertising uh, access on Facebook have been explored ad nauseum. I heavily criticized their news feed product in the past, pointing out that people actually want to hear from the publishers they follow on the platform. But to summarize the point of view of major advertisers in the words of Wes Finley, who ran digital operations at Coca-Cola, quote, a Facebook page with no fans can drive greater visibility with $500 than an organic page with 90 million fans. Fans. Holy smokes. We need to spend $500 <laughs> and advertise our group. Wow. A Facebook page with no fans can drive greater visibility with $500 than an organic page with 90 million fans. Wow. Wow. This is uh, this is an exaggeration of the unfairness of Facebook's model from a business who is accustomed to using their cultural cachet to reach customers. They would love to be present on the largest, most used platform in human history without constantly having to pay through the nose for it. You know, this makes total sense, Gons, because we have over 10,000 likes on our Canary Cry radio uh, Facebook page right. and like there's almost no engagement on a lot of stuff that we post. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. I mean, there's like a, a core group. There's like the Canary cry commandos who like really engage with the stuff that we do on Facebook. But uh, for having 10,000 followers on that page, you know, we, we might get like 60 likes on something, which is crazy. Like it's just, uh, or when we post a video, it'll reach like 200 people out of our 10,000. That's yeah, how they get a, us. That's how they get our money, man. I was going to say a shout out to the, uh, five people watching on Facebook Canary Cry radio right <laughs> yeah, now. I know. Allegedly the, you know, if we, I, we send this feed out to the 10,500 people who follow the page and then another 3000 on the community. So, uh, you know, there's close to 15,000 people that the video should be going out to. And like three people will watch it on Facebook. It's crazy. Anyways, moving on. But Facebook hasn't kowtowed to big spenders for years now. They've throttled the organic reach of pages time and again, forcing advertisers looking for guaranteed reach to cough up more money if they are to maintain an acceptable return on their investment in content creation. Reach at a viral level for organic content is still possible, but harder to unlock in Facebook's almighty algorithms. The smart brands have become more deliberate with what they post. The content needs to be more creative, and timely so the precious few followers who see it will engage with it thus broadening the reach to a lumbering corporation managed by culturally illiterate (laughs) burn to a lumbering corporation managed by culturally illiterate executives this silliness is seen as an expensive excess quote we need uh we need to make memes and we need to pay someone Yes, you do. Unfortunately, (laughs) not everyone can be clever and creative for free. Because of their hesitancy to adapt to the culture, corporations have been focusing their efforts on larger, more expensive advertising campaigns where there are clear performance indicators set that run for a time and end with the budget when the budget is spent. They show up on the platform for a while, receive some clips, clicks to their landing pages, and are soon forgotten. Meanwhile, smaller, nimbler businesses and creators have cracked the code. Keep yourself lean, build an audience that loves your content and wants to be part of your circles and pay your monthly dues to the ferryman Facebook. These businesses and individuals outnumber the corporate behemoths a hundred thousand to one. 
Wow. We need to pay our dues to the ferryman, apparently, <laughs> the guns. Ferryman. The Facebook ferryman. Yeah. I mean, we got a nice big audience, and I think we put out pretty good content. But the only thing that explains our small reach is we haven't paid the ferryman. Yeah. Zuck, Zucky the ferryman. <laughs> in the world outside of Facebook, where a single full page ad in the New York Times costs over $100,000 and minimum Jeez. spends for television spots are similar, these corporations are the precious few who can afford to have their messages uh, to customers seen. Thus, they wield tremendous influence over the mediums that they are privileged to host their brands. This can be a problem when corporations are pressured to revoke their patronage uh, if the advertising platform platform does not comply with certain demands as we've seen most recently in the case of fedex and the washington redskins wow washington redskins apparently that's mega racist now you got washington in there and the redskins these demands can be very specific and carry critical consequences for business regardless of what is decided facebook has no such problem because facebook does not have a select group of patrons that supply the majority of its revenue it doesn't feel pressured to change course when those patrons make demands this reality is demonstrated by this brilliant, perhaps defiant statement by Facebook's communication manager, Tom Chanick, who told CNN, quote, we make policy changes based on principles, not revenue pressures. Boom. Mm. Yeah. It's um, interesting. The, yeah, there's about uh, a about 100% more on this article, <laughs> so I don't know if there's anything specific you wanted out of that, but yeah. Uh, uh, more than anything, it's just interesting to have broken down exactly how useless all this virtue signaling for these brands is. I mean, it, it is exactly virtue signaling. It's not going to hurt Facebook at all. You know, uh, let's see if, if all 100 was 6%, a quarter of the 100, you know, that'd be what? 2.5%, something like that. Less, less than 2%. Yeah. So, you know, all of these huge corporations being pressured, uh, you know, to pull their advertising off of Facebook uh, accounts for less than 2% of the revenue Facebook's pulling. See, that's that's crazy because it's, it's an uh, impotent attempt at, uh, at taking down know, Facebook. Yeah. At, yeah. At influencing Zuckerberg. It's weird because Facebook is such a huge platform Yet they're kind of operating in that like, hey, we're we're indie. We kind of get our own, you know, we we do our own thing over here. Well, and, and it they're getting shows, away with it. Yeah, and it shows just how dangerous Zuckerberg is to yeah, everybody. I know. <laughs> I mean, if twenty five of the world's biggest corporations and biggest advertising spenders conspire pull, to take him down and they conspire can't. together to take out Zuckerberg and they can only affect less than 2% of his revenue. That is a scary sort of invincible position for him to be in. Yeah. Maybe we need to advertise. We need to, we need to get people off Facebook by advertising to the people on Facebook that would listen to the show <laughs> and then, and then wake them. You know, we need to rattle some cages is what we need I to don't do. Know, on man, Facebook. if I can reach 90 million people or more for 500 bucks, we might have to make some 90 more. million for $500. Something. I don't know exactly how that works out. The reach is further for $500 than the organic reach of 90 million people members of a canary cry community that's wild yeah yeah, yeah. Well, so. well maybe we'll get to 90 million audience one day and then uh 
And then we'll be, you know, in the eye of Someday. Sauron. Yeah. Then we could actually pay our bills. That'd be nice. Yeah. Yeah, that would be nice. <laughs> or pay taxes. Ooh. <laughs> you know, this year, this year's taxes was especially very, uh, not just troubling, but just, just it made me so angry. Troubling. Taxes well, are always troubling. They're always troubling, but especially this year when they printed $6 trillion, you know, just out of nowhere. I just, it felt so especially wrong this year, you know, because in the past it was like a, yeah, we knew the money supply and the you know all that was the the fiat and all that. But oh yeah, this, but this year in they particular, print, they just printed six trillion out of nothing. Just and yeah. they still want you to pay your taxes. Yes, it's just <laughs> I it did not I did not feel right doing. I just felt so yucky and gross <laughs> and just ah uh, uh, I don't know, man. You know they should just make it exempt. I guess they do sort of. If you just uh, support, you know, so if you support certain a certain percentage of your income to like other platforms or other content creators, you should just be free of taxes. I know yeah. it kind of works like that with the big corps and stuff, but I don't know. They should they should extend that to to all the normie people, <laughs> or just us. You hear that, normies? Tax breaks. Yeah, right. All right. <laughs> yeah, right. Let's take uh, let's take one more quick break and then we will finish out the show. We've got some Normies. stuff. But, uh, Sorry. Whoa. No. <laughs> there it is. Sorry. All right. Let's. <laughs> Jesus. Take a break. Sorry, I'm starting uh, to get tired. I know. Ugh, starting to wait. How long, are we doing on time? Well, oh, we gotta start moving pretty quick here yeah, for you. Yeah, we're in the last. Um, yep so let's take a quick break don't go anywhere though because after the break we're gonna be uh, we got some some cap some cop cams you can uh you know how to how to hack a cop cam that's gonna be interesting some drone news um and some vr updates and our favorite we got a nephilim update at the end of the show here so oh, stick yeah. around um but until then i want we uh, gotta thank some producers and just so everybody knows what does that mean talking about producers well here's the thing folks we uh, subscribe to the value for value model that means we put out uh, some value and if you get any value out of it you have the opportunity to put some value back in and thus the value continues to come at you it's a uh, it's a it's the answer to the problematic advertising model that has taken over all content creation and is uh, really one of the diseases of this world because uh, the advertising model uh, incentivizes content creators like ourselves and some of your, your favorite content creators on the internet. It incentivizes them to gain your eyeballs, gain your attention, gain your trust, and then turn around and sell that trust to a big corporation uh, for their own personal gain. So that's not very cool. Um, so as a, in standing in defiance of that system uh, we work on the value for value model which is we make the show and then those like the real world those who support the show they're not donors they are producers of the show just like you know any other piece of show business if you help pay for the show you are a producer you're not just some you know just some schmuck um, so we like to thank all of our supporters um, and especially our new supporters and uh, give them a shout out and let everybody know that these are producers of this show. So here we go. I'm over on patreon.com uh, slash CCNT for Canary Cry News Talk. And uh, we got a couple of new producers since last show. Gons, are you ready? 
I have my gong ready. The gong is ready to be gonged. Uh, first of all, I want to thank Danny. Thank you, Danny, new producer. Came in after last episode. Thank you very much, Danny. And uh, also a big old thank you to producer Karen. Thank Uh-oh. you, Karen. Wow, we got a Karen. Yeah. Karen I'm, would I- like to speak to our manager. And she gets to you because she's a producer. Um, yeah. Now, Gons, uh, now everybody knows that was on patreon.com slash CCNT. If you would like to help produce the show, you can head over there to patreon.com slash CCNT. Um, we also have Canary Cry Radio, uh, uh, Patreon, patreon.com slash Canary Cry Radio. No new producers there, though. No love for the Canary oh. Cry Radio Patreon. That's okay. Now, here's the thing, folks. I know a lot of people don't like uh, Patreon, so you can head over to Canary Cry Radio. Dot com slash support. Canary Cry Radio dot com slash support. That's right. And that's another great way to support the show. We've got PayPal options, uh, monthly subscriptions, as well as one time donations if commitment is not your thing. And uh, also some cryptocurrency stuff over there. So if that's what you're into, you can support the show that way. Gons, uh, any new PayPal producers? Yes, we have one PayPal producer that uh, is new, and uh, this person will be a recurring producer. Thank you. And his name is Steve. Thank you, Steve. And we got to say, Steve, producer Steve, you have a a very interesting business name on your PayPal account. Very intriguing. We thought for a second we were being supported by uh, a large... um, (laughs) <laughs> chain restaurant but uh we did some digging we understand that that's not the case now but thank you steve anyways and uh guns just to you know we haven't mentioned this in a long time actually um the p.o box we had somebody in chat old two box asks uh do we take checks and we do take checks and uh you can send that to the p.o box as well as boxes of chocolates and uh, some people have sent us crafts. Cool. Our baby Yodas uh, came right, in the P.O. box. Let's see if I can find my baby Yoda while I'm just feeling around my desk blindly. I'll let you uh, <laughs> put the... Do you want to... What do you want to do? You want to tell people it's, the P.O. box? On the you screen. Post it? It's up on the screen right now. Uh, you can Is send that it to- on uh, canarycryradio.com slash support? Yes. You can scroll down and you'll see it there. Um, and it is P.O. Box 7383, Laguna Niguel, California, 92607. Yes. Yeah, so thank you very much. You can send uh, um, checks there or little presents like Baby Yoda, which I'm just reaching at now. Here we go. Oh, no, I dropped it on the floor. Dang it. Who sent us the Baby Yodas? Do you remember? I don't remember her name. Uh, we did give her. A, oh, there, there goes Basil. Uh, I think I, th- <laughs> I think we gave her a shout out on one of the earlier yeah, episodes. Yeah, she's a Etsy, uh, Etsy shop. store. Yeah, and with so. the green screen, Baby Yoda is gonna look uh, <laughs> see through. <laughs> but here you go, fun little Baby Yoda sent by a fan. <laughs> so thank you very much. Uh, remind us what your Etsy shop it, is. It, if it, he's, send uh, us an email, we'll mention it on the next show. He's communicating from from the other side. You know, <laughs> you know how when they. Uh, you know how when they communicate oh yeah when the jedis uh turn into ghosts apparently yeah. <laughs> and can come visit us so there's ghost baby yoda 
Um, okay. So cool. Yes. You can find the PO box at canarycryradio.com slash support. Uh, also we have the Canary Cry radio, um, round table of knights and dames for long time yes. and very generous producers. I don't think we have any nightings or damings this episode. Do we guns? We do not, but you can go to canarycryradio.com slash knighthood and you'll see uh, what that's all about. Plus uh, a list of those knights and dames. I think we were at six right now mm-hmm. and uh, we haven't, <clears throat> we haven't had one in a couple episodes, but it's okay. You know, we'll, we'll get People there. People are working their way up. Yeah. Sounds so, good. Uh, yep. You can do that there. Okay, anything else for this break? Um, yeah, I wanted to play a couple, I guess, clips, oh, we had uh, ISOs artwork. and jingles. Yeah, the artwork okay. and stuff. There's some some good things to mention here. So, uh, yeah, one way you can support the show to be a producer is to send us jingles or some artwork. And uh, Godspeed has is in the lead in terms of sending us uh, artwork, relevant <laughs> artwork, I would say. Yes. Um, and uh, he sent us the cover for the Canary Cries saga. It's a comic <laughs> An book. An ongoing collection of comic book covers yes. by Godspeed. And, uh, I liked this week's. Yeah, this week is Basiltron. Yeah, look at that. Uh, Canary Cry Saga. For those who are just listening, you can uh, check it out on the Facebook page. Um, Just search Canary Cry Radio uh, on Facebook. And it's Canary Cry Saga. With the world upgraded, he must face a new great enemy, the grid. And then it's uh, kind of a, a Tron, Tron-based Basil with his uh, VR goggles on. The little speech bubble says, "I am not of this world." And uh, I like this one. I think I think the storyline of this uh, edition, Gons, is uh, maybe you tried VR to uh, to try. Yeah, to keep I was going to say I'm missing, so I yeah, think maybe tried, I got lost. You tried VR, but you got sucked onto the grid. And so uh, Basiltron <laughs> has to come rescue you. So that's, yeah. the, that's that's a good one. Thank you very much, Godspeed. We always love your work. Um, and actually, and, mm-hmm. Godspeed has a couple more that uh, that he, she, they made. And they made one. Oh, shoot. I have to unlock this real quick. Oh, yeah. The Canary here. Cry perfume was a big uh, subject of conversation in the chat. It was the last perfume, week. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, before that one, oh my gosh, this thing is not moving. It's like it's got a mind of its own. Uh, there's <laughs> what, a what is this? <laughs> this is this is the new and improved Canary Cries leather artificial arm, <laughs> and it's kind of in that retro style. Oh, it's is this a, supposed to be flippy? Is this like I a think flippy, it's flippy arm? Yeah. Okay. And it's got a speech bubble with one of those retro, you know, girls, you know, showing a display. Yeah. Uh, I never leave home without it. So there's yeah. your canary cry, new and improved <laughs> leather artificial arm. And then Very you have good. the perfume. Let me pull up the perfume. Give me a moment here. Let's yeah, see. we had a big yeah. conversation about Canary Cry merch and how Gons, you and I, we've tried to do merch in the past and we just can't. We just can't keep up. Just can't do uh, it. We're not made for that. Ugh, so, thing if anybody is... out there wants to take responsibility for putting together some Canary Cry merch, uh, we did have some business owners who are listeners of the show um, offer to brand some of their their merch. We might do that. I got to reach out to that guy. But if you're listening, uh, just know we got your email, and we'll, we'll I promise we'll get to you. We just. 
got a lot to deal with. So, uh, but Canary Cry perfume was a great one. You know, smells, smell, what was it? It smells like freedom or something. It says only the truth can smell this real. Oh yeah, that's good. (laughs) And so we got some great artwork again, this sort of retro style, maybe early 20th century, uh, illustration with a old timey perfume bottle, Canary Cry perfume. Very good. And we also got, uh, we got a couple more than I wanted to show here because we have one from Magoo and I'm just going to show it exactly how it came in our inbox, which is, uh, uh, you know what? It actually fixed it for us. Oh, good. <laughs> it came in sideways, but uh, yeah, I tried some to show art. it. Coming in straight forward. Now, let me just say, I I have all confidence. I have all reasons to believe that this was drawn by an adult man. Um, but, you know, hey, he's he's doing his best. Uh, it, looks, it looks like a kindergartner did it, but, you know, I think that's kind of the point. And there's a, there's a big old Basil who looks like he's 12 feet tall. Very good looking. <laughs> looks like there's a little canary that's flying around and everything's labeled, by the way. So, you know, the canary's a canary. Gons, you're, you're a little short, but that's okay. And then he did a great job of uh, made, making sure to add a little tiny plant at the bottom labeled oregano. So <laughs> just to know the difference. Difference between basil and oregano and he also drew a canary in the sky and it's yes. labeled canary so very good so that. thank you magoo for that your and, participation uh, in our art projects is appreciated and one last one here uh this one was by oh gosh did i lose the name here why don't you find it and i'll explain it this, oh, this is, one's this by, one was actually by very, karen karen yeah. yeah, this one was very cool. It's actually in the style of sort of a, a modern oil painting, sort of abstract, uh, maybe cityscape. Um, I don't know. We'll put these all up on the Facebook because you kind of just well, got to see them. But- yeah, and uh, canarycrynewstock.com uh, with the episode page, you'll see all the artwork. Yeah. Show and it says COVID-19 sucks, yep. <laughs> <laughs> which is very good. Very good. Thank you very much. Did you figure out it, it was from Karen? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Thank you very much, Karen. We appreciate that. Um, Yep. So all this art will be up on the Facebook and CanaryCryNewsTalk.com. We appreciate all of our very talented artists. And uh, that is one way you can help produce the show is produce uh, some artwork for us um, in all different styles, whatever you are uh, called to do. Um, But there's other ways such as producing jingles and songs for us. Yeah, or finding ISOs from interesting uh, movies or, you know, documentaries. Yeah, uh, let's play a Mike, couple of those. Yeah, Mike sent us a series of, uh, of I guess they're just ISOs from the 1938 Boris Karloff movie Invisible Menace. Mm. And this is the seven-second clip he sent us. The volume is a little low, but we'll see if we can hear it here. So you almost got liquidated, huh? What's that mean, liquidated? I don't know. I never had any. Does that might be vaccinated? Yeah, practically the same thing. So, <laughs> vaccinated, liquidated, same thing, especially You almost got liquidated, huh? I don't know what that is. Is that like vaccinated? Yeah, it's the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. I like that. So that one was great. Thank you, Mike. And uh, Andreas sent us something good. Tell me something good. Yeah. Which was a clip I didn't know that I wanted until I hear it. Now I'm so glad we have it. We <laughs> might uh, we're, we might fit in a "Tell Me Something Good" segment uh, in the show in the future. So yeah. thank you very much. Very good, good listening out for uh, some good clips. Play that one one more time. 
Oh, gotta get back. Hold on. Here we go. Nice and slowed down to help avoid the uh, uh, the censorship that we might get for that. But yeah, it's okay. Um, you know what would be good is uh, ending the break and going into our last segment here. Let's do it. Wake up, sleepyhead. Yes, it's wake up time. Hey, y'all, wake up. Okay, time to get into it here. Let's talk about some hackers here, Gons. You ever feel like you're being watched? Um, actually, I do feel like it right now, standing in front of a webcam. Did you ever have the feeling that you were being watched? Nice one. This is a vice.com <laughs> article styled hackers are finding footage on police body cams. They bought on eBay. <laughs> Curious hackers are buying decommissioned police body cameras online. And some are finding troves of video evidence after successfully extracting data from the devices. Last week, Twitter user dot slash found one such cache while searching inside an Axon branded body camera. He bought on eBay based on screenshots of the extracted footage, which include people in military fatigue, searching a home and an officer filling out paperwork. The camera appears to belong to military police at Fort uh, Fort Huaca Huacaca oh gosh Huachuca Huachuca a U.S. Army installation in southeast Arizona. I searched for one on eBay to wrap up an old to-do in my brain to buy some and examine them, dot slash told Motherboard, providing a link to the eBay listing, which advertised a non-working Axon body camera with a missing battery. I've actually had it about a month now just sitting. To access the data, dot slash copied the raw disk image from an internal SD card mounted inside the device. He then used an old U.S. Air Force forensic tool from the early 2000s called Foremost, which successfully located video files within the mass of unencrypted data. The device in question appears to be an older version of the Axon body, which normally transfers video data to a computer after being docked in a proprietary cradle. Uh, and then he's got the, the, uh, the tweet there that shows what he did. Quote, zero encryption. It was just in the raw, said Dot Slash, who posted some screenshots to confirm the footage, the footage's authenticity. Quote, as I understand the specific system I have is from 2015 and is not necessarily representative of newer technology from Axon. I've not done any analysis, though. The eBay seller did not respond to a request for comment. No kidding. It turns out that used body cameras are commonly for sale online and several other hackers followed up with their own findings. DJ Irongrove, another Twitter user who extracted data from Axon body camera SD cards he bought using the local trading app OfferUp, described the process as stupid easy. <laughs> Quote, the type of footage on them covered the range from traffic stops, responding to calls at retail stores, calls to houses, etc. He told Motherboard, I skimmed through enough to find out that they weren't from a military installation because that is super toxic. Okay. Others responded that they had found and purchased more used cameras on eBay to see what they could find. Axon, formerly Taser, has become the biggest company selling body cameras and cloud storage solutions to police uh, ever since the Stun Gun Company rebranded as the police tech firm. The company capitalized on calls for police transparency after the emergence of Black Lives Matter movement in 2014. Since then, police killings of unarmed civilians have continued undeterred with police departments across the country often obscuring or deleting footage. With the recent uprisings over the murders of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor, activists have pointed out 
out that even video evidence isn't enough to produce systemic change. Many of the hackers, including Dot Slash, said that they only looked at the footage to confirm the camera's origin and intend to return the devices to authorities to avoid any possible legal issues. But that hasn't stopped others from buying up stocks of used cameras to uncover what secrets they hold. Quote, we are aware of this issue and have launched an investigation looking into the matter, an Axon representative told the Arizona Mirror in a statement. We are also reevaluating our processes to better emphasize proper disposal procedure for our customers. So there you go. Very interesting. You know, they say once you uh, uh, create some data, it's never really gone. And that is the same case with these uh, with these police body cameras. Yeah. And it goes to show that, yeah, like you said, anything that you put in, in the digital format, uh, it's very difficult to destroy. It might be, uh, you might be, get it to a point where it's inaccessible, uh, but you never know with a lot of the quantum computing that's starting to get built out, they might be able to reconstruct some of the, that, that data. Yeah. Um, it seems like a really fascinating thing to do. Um, if, if I had the skills in the software, it seems like a fun thing to do. Although you never know, you might see some pretty disturbing well, that's, stuff. On that's there. the thing. If you find something and I think that one of the, the hackers there was pretty smart to say like, yeah, I'm giving it back because I don't want to be, I don't want to be responsible for yeah, yeah. having any kind of footage. Uh, that would you know get him into trouble, especially um, yeah. from a military base. Now you're talking about federal crimes. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Once if in case, yeah, if he sees something, you know, he can be brought in, and now he's got to either sign NDAs. Now he's roped in. He's roped into the whole network, and you got to you know stay quiet, or you're going to go yeah, crazy you because notice? you have to not tell anybody what. It seems silly that they would sell these used body cameras. Like if I was Axon or whatever they are, like I would have definitely added a provision in the contract. Once you're done with them, send them back. Don't sell these to civilians. Yeah. I don't know. There's, there's obviously there's some holes in the system there. (laughs) Right. And, and compliance. And that's probably part of it too, is some of these folks don't know, the extent of how data gets stored and how it can be, you know, reaccessed and things like that. Yep. Data is never really gone. You got to destroy the actual hardware, which is why yeah. the CIA makes a practice of drilling holes in their, in their hard drives. <laughs> take a, take a tip from the CIA. Yeah. The CIA or, uh, or, uh, uh, Mr. Robot. You got to burn it. You got to put it in the microwave. There you go. Burn them up. Really, really go nuts. Um, okay. Yeah. I don't know. No, no other real. Nothing crazy. To just, there. It's just fascinating. Just fascinating. And just keep in mind, anything you record might be it's stored somewhere and accessed even by someone you, else. Even police. Yep. Even the police. Uh, we got a couple drone stories. Drone strikes have saved lives. Can we shoot them down if over our property? Drones. This is the new atlas.com AI system could locate pilots of intrusive drones. Ooh. And it says here, uh, when an unauthorized drone is being flown in a restricted airspace, the authorities understandably want to locate its operator. A new AI based system may allow them to do so. Um, let's see. First of all, it is possible to determine the approximate location of a drones pilot using multiple widely spaced sensors to triangulate the originating point of its radio control signal. Those sensors do already have to be in place. However, uh, plus they may not be able to pick up the radio signal if it's obstructed by other wireless signals, such as those from Wi-Fi or Bluetooth that are present in the area. 
Seeking a better alternative, researchers from Israel's Ben-Gurion University of the Negev, uh, which seems to come up quite a bit with a lot of these uh, advanced surveillance techs, have developed a system in which cameras optically track the drones' flight path in three-dimensional space. That video is analyzed utilizing a deep neural network, which was trained, quote-unquote, on previously recorded footage in which the location of the drone operator was known. Mm. Since pilots typically keep their drones within line of sight or, if nothing else, within radio range, analysis of flight patterns such as the uh, aircraft's changing vertical and horizontal location, along with its tendency to move along a path that uh, arcs around a central point that's off to one side, can be used to ascertain where the pilot is. Wow. As a result, in computer simulations utilized so far, the system was able to locate a drones' operator with 78% accuracy. That figure should rise as the technology is developed further, which will include testing, on, uh, testing it on actual drones in the real world. A paper on the research, which is being led by computer science student Eliyahu Mashihadi, was recently presented at the online fourth international symposium on cybersecurity, cryptography, and machine learning. So, yep, even those rogue drone people will not be able to get away with it with uh, the kind of technology, the kind of uh, surveillance tech that they're. Yeah, you know, that's pretty wild. Out. I mean, we've talked about a lot of crazy capabilities that artificial intelligence has been able to, you know, uh, in the ways of uh, data analysis, visual analysis, stuff like that, you know, recreating photos out of just a scratch of data. Yeah. Um, but this is pretty wild in just taking some drone footage and being able to, um, detect exactly where the, the f pilot of the drone is standing. I could see how this would be useful to a government because there's, there's a, you know, a small but active group of drone uh, operators, owners, just consumer drone people who, you know, like to take pictures or video of places that the government would not like them to. Right. And then post it on YouTube and stuff. And it's, it's kind of, you know, I think they consider themselves kind of a watchdog organization. Um, you know, especially with things like FEMA camps and, you know, kind of the tinfoil hat type of stuff. Uh, Area 51. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And this could, uh, this, this is not good news for rogue drone operators. I'll tell you what. <laughs> and, uh, it, along with this story, the next one is also a drone story, but it's, uh, a little more, I guess, entertain. Well, it's got more of a message here. Okay. Oh, where, where is it? Drone strikes have saved lives. Can we shoot them down if over our property? Drones. COVID. I don't know why we keep picking CNN here, but this is CNN.com. So 300 can, drones. Uh, so nobody can, uh, you know, accuse us of just reading crazy right wing articles all the time. <laughs> it's true. 300 drones flew above Seoul, Korea, to thank frontline workers and encourage coronavirus preventative measures. So I'm going to play the video here. It's about a one minute clip. Um, we've seen some of this stuff in terms of like some crazy drone choreography to uh, just some pretty compelling looking night sky 
you know, things. Mm-hmm. Um, but here we have uh, a bunch of uh, drones again, um, drones know, making, again. Uh, making a mask yeah, in the sky, making the virus. Can you see that Basil? They have the virus there. Let me click uh, over. Hold on. Hold on. We're gonna. I'm gonna try to show it again here. There we uh, go. So yeah, the, the the drones are in the shape of a, a virus. Uh, you know, kind of floating around in balls. Oh yeah. And then a, a mask comes up, and uh, yeah, I mean it's it's pretty interesting. Uh, the government ran a social media campaign to thank frontline medical workers. Uh, they got uh, you know medical faces or people that look like medical people with masks and a couple. With masks, masks on, trying to kiss each other. <laughs> Which, uh, but then it shows social distancing, so it's got arrows oh, yeah, pointing both ways. Two little arrows pointing them away. No kissing allowed. And wow, uh, some water droplets and hands. It's pretty intense. <laughs> uh, Making you know, reminding people to wash their hands. Wash, wash, wash washy. And uh, thanks to you, with um, yeah, big heart in the sky. I mean, it's pretty complex. I mean, it's kind of cool. What they can do with it, it's just, uh, you know, it's super blue beamish. It's, it's kind of like pre-blue yeah, well, beam. I was going to you know? say Operation Blue Beam. <laughs> now, for uh, for those who may not know what Operation Blue Beam uh, is. It's Project Blue Beam. Pro- right. Sorry, Project Blue Beam. What, what it, just give a little rundown of it so they don't just feel alone in the dark. Project Blue Beam is an alleged project to project into the sky uh, images. Uh, mm-hmm. To provoke uh, or, or to deceive the masses into believing a second coming or Allah has come or some kind of yeah, uh, alien arrival. Yeah, a government project because they wanted to use it for psychological warfare. Right. They thought if they could put religious symbols in the sky, like in the Middle East, uh, you know, if there's a firefight or something with jihadists or something, that they could project some sort of godly figure in the sky and, you know, the gain some sort of military advantage that way. Um, and then it extended from a military use to a social engineering use right. that could be used to simulate, uh, you know, the, any, a, any religious, uh, type of, uh, you know, event. scene in the sky event. Yeah. Um, or, you know, aliens coming down or whatever. Yeah, it's been, uh, it was introduced to me in the context of aliens, like a faked yeah. alien invasion or the arrival of aliens. Uh, and, and certainly if they, it, you know, they have to combine the technology. If just projecting, it might not do anything using that with the voice to skull technology, right? Where you have like this direct communication of language into your brain, which they also used in the middle East. Uh, uh-huh. To project Allah, you know, like Allah speaking to you or whatever. Um, yeah. Then you so have a complete uh, yeah, ability to, to convince people. Using uh, these techniques for psychological, specifically religious, you know, psychological warfare against religious enemies. And then, of course, can be, you know, used not just on military enemies, but ideological enemies or sociological enemies. Or yeah. whatever to in, in sort of a social engineering sense. So turns out they don't just need to project things in the sky. They can just use some uh, drones, some drones, and and then they can locate who's doing it. You know, if they if they ever do, uh, if there's ever some rogue messaging going on in the skies, yeah, people can triangulate and figure out who the who the uh, oh yes, are. They, and then yeah. when they find out that it's the AI robots, then oh, that's no. when it's all then over. Skynet has had it's enough. Over. It's over. Yeah, aliens. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, um, let's talk about VR for a second, and then we 
Ooh, that's loud. And we will be uh, wrapping up the show here in a bit. This is uh, Agonix.org. Icelandic virtual reality meditation startup Flow receives uh, $500,000 USD from Iceland Venture Studio Fund. Uh, Iceland Venture Studio, a fund devoted to growing Icelandic tech startups, has announced that it has raised $2 million in USD and has made additional investments into its first portfolio companies. These include Flow, which develops immersive virtual reality enhanced meditation programs and retina risk which has created an algorithm that can help predict diabetic retinopathy years in advance both companies have received an investment of $500,000 from the fund in addition Iceland Venture Studios has stated that is blah 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 this this article is mainly about uh, this investment firm in Iceland but that is very interesting flow uh, you know mixing a virtual reality enhanced meditation uh, program together there so you know going back to the uh, mercerism the empathy box where you know human biology is not enough to you know meditation and all these types of things which yeah. of course uh, are part of certain new agey type agendas going on in the world uh, enhancing that with technology to uh, you know increase the effect of meditation yeah and the thing that really jumped out at me with this story is that i'm not going to defend meditation here as a practice but if you're like a meditation purist this is like completely diametrically opposed to what you want to accomplish with (laughs) meditation isn't it right don't you want to like don't you want to be able to uh detach from your environment in a sense and uh, I don't know, try to try to find some mental space that, yeah, that can't be disrupted peace. by your environment. And- yeah, not having a distraction, you know, having a distraction free experience. Um, but, you know, when they say reality, uh, virtual reality enhanced meditation, what this does uh, lean towards more is like transcendental meditation yeah, or transcendental. Yeah. uh you know visualization type exercises or uh you know maybe even a little bit of astral projection or something i was gonna say yeah it's it's more of like a a, a digital version of an outer body experience that they're trying mm-hmm. to invoke here and you know, what's interesting too is at the very beginning of the little ad they have here uh, you know, flow meditation for modern life, learn and practice meditation for a successful life. They always push that like, <laughs> yes, positive, it's always like, done in this like self helpy, <laughs> be a better person. Type so you of mean, thing. you mean if I wear this, these goggles and I go travel to these places in my eyeballs, I yes, will have a successful us- life. Let us hypnotize you with our uh, technolo- technologically advanced, uh, you know, uh, electromagnetic screen emitters, and we will send you into the ether where you can explore the spiritual world. Yeah. The other thing I had highlighted in the article here was uh, the mention here the fund is seeking investment in companies that are focused around decentralization of private data, Blockchain. algorithms, privacy, process of data security and i just uh, again again i'm just kind of confused as to how privacy can be 
achieved when you have a VR system that is like really getting in <laughs> on your biometrics. You know what I mean? Yeah, I I'm already a little skeezed out by the uh, the Oculus here because now on the Oculus, whenever I open up, um, many web pages have this. Definitely the the major websites, even CNN.com has this. A little notification will come up and says, "Would you like to allow the CNN virtual reality experience into your headset?" Oh my gosh. No, get, your get, get it out of here. I don't <laughs> want your virtual reality experience. I'm just no. I'm just here to sit in my virtual office and I don't know, have big googly eyes. <laughs> All right. So yeah, there you go. Um, okay. I'm sure we're going to see more and more of this type of technology being funded in the near future here. Yep. And it's all part of the, uh, I don't know. I'm wait, We need to get some 33 virtual reality updates here because we, oh. we need the signaling to take place. So we know when it's time to get out. By the way, Basiltron will come rescue his best buddy. <laughs> I know I'm lost in the matrix. Uh, Ready player one. Did you hear about ready player two? No. Oh yeah, it's coming. Ready Player Two. So clever. Such a did clever you, name. Did you watch the movie? I did. Yeah. It was, I liked it. It was fun. It was yeah. They, it was they put right. a lot of video game Easter eggs in there that, as a gamer, did. Was, I could appreciate. But it was definitely a dystopian look into what the future of humanity looks like. But it was a uh, licensing nightmare. Hmm? A licensing what? nightmare to oh, make that yeah. movie. Oh, totally. Yeah. yeah. And I, I, the uh, one thing I always pointed out uh, just real briefly is the fact that at the very beginning, it talks about how in Oasis, which is that virtual world, you can be anything, you can do anything, anything you imagine to do is possible. And that is the precise line in Genesis chapter 11 that talks about the Tower of Babel and why God had to like screw up the languages was yeah. because if they can do this, then you know n nothing they, they imagine to do will be impossible. So right. I just thought it was interesting that they would use that verbiage. Yeah. But uh, okay, yeah. Let's uh, let's get that one. Nephilim update and call it a show. Nephilim update. Nephilim update. Nephilim update. So this is scientificamerican.com. Aliens could have 100 eyes. This was originally published in November of 1854, and uh, I just thought it was an interesting little thing here. Sir David Brewster, who supposes the stars to be inhabited as being quote the hope of the Christians, asks. Quote, is it necessary that an immortal soul be hung upon a skeleton of bone? Must it see with two eyes and rest on a duality of limbs? May it not rest in a polyphemus with one eyeball or an Argus with a hundred? May it not reign in the giant forms of the Titans? Wow, sounds like some real biblical angel <laughs> references I know. here. And direct the hundred hands of Brarius? Supposing it were true, what has it to do with the hope of the Christian? Nothing at all. This speculating in the physical science, uh, sciences independent of any solid proofs one way or other, and dragging in religion into such controversies, neither honors the author of religion nor adds a single laurel to the chaplets of the sciences, nor will we ever be able to tell whether Mars or Jupiter contains a single li living object. So, uh, yeah, there you go. Not the greatest Nephilim update, but you know, a <laughs> hundred and thirty year old comment mentioning a uh, hundred year old or hundred eyeballed aliens and oh, titans yeah. and stuff. Yeah, that'll get it. Oh, wow. it cool. published eighteen fifty four. Yeah, that's crazy. Old wow. school Nephilim update. Nephilim update. Nephilim update. Boy. 
Tell me something good. This is where the tell me something good. I know uh, we need it. Segment <sighs> we'll go in. We'll end the do show and tell it me something quick? good. I kind of do want to take it, but okay, not today. All not right. today. All right. We'll do it next time. Okay, next everybody. Time. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Canary Cry News Talk. Here's the thing. Remember, we do shows three times a week. It's crazy. I know. We put out like 10 hours a week. Um, so make sure to <laughs> tune in. Guys, have you seen all these comments of people complaining about how long the show is? Oh, really? They, they complained it was too short, and now they're complaining it's I too know. long. I know. We just can't win, We can man. never we, win. <laughs> <laughs> we can't do anything right. Uh, first, he complains too short. Now, they complain it's too long. But you know what? Here's the thing. If it's too long for you, here's a secret. You can just stop listening to it halfway through. It's okay. Or you I can won't know. know. <laughs> we won't even know that you do that. It won't hurt our feelings. You don't got to tell us to shut up. Okay. But uh, in any case, we will be back on Monday, 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 Monday. What is that? That's going to be the 13th? 13th, yeah. We'll be back on the 13th sometime between noon and 5 p.m. PST. So make sure to turn on your notifications, uh, show up for the live show. And if you can't make it for the live show, remember, we post the podcast version, which means you can listen to it wherever you are in the world. Just head to Apple Podcasts or whatever podcaster that you use and subscribe to Canary Cry News Talk. You can also go through the Canary Cry Radio Archives there. Lots of good material there. Give you, catch you up on the worldview that you need to survive the Canary Cry News Talk experience. <laughs> uh, so go check that out. And the audio quality is significantly better on the podcast version because Gons is just so good. Um, but... Like I said, remember us for Monday the 13th and also especially remember us because we're going to need to shout out to some producers. If you want to become a producer of the show, get a shout out on the show and help. Uh, first of all, help us stand in defiance of the worldly system of advertising. We're only able to do that because of our producers like you. So if you want to participate in that system, uh, value for value system, head to patreon.com slash CCNT for Canary Cry News Talk. Uh, that's a great way to do it. But if you don't like Patreon, that's okay. Head to canarycryradio.com slash support. Canarycryradio.com slash support. That's right. And you can head over there, get some PayPal, uh, one-time donation if you don't like commitment. Um, also some cryptocurrency, great ways to support the show, become a producer. Um, also, you can become a producer or you can help produce the show by sending in artwork if you are a uh, an artistic person or jingles or songs, uh, whatever, whatever you do, you can do it for the show. And we'll put it on the show, put it on the Facebook page and the website, all over the place um, that is highly appreciated and any of that creative work you can send to canarycryradio at gmail.com that's canarycryradio at gmail.com so we appreciate that and thank all of our artists for this show you guys are the best there's other ways to uh, help out the show as well one of the big ones is leaving ratings and reviews you can leave a rating and a review wherever you listen to the show but especially helpful on Apple Podcasts and other podcatchers uh, uh, rating is, you know, stars one to five. You, you, you just follow your heart on that one. And then a review is words that explain why you love the show so much. So please do that. It helps us out. We'll be reading some more of those on the show. 
uh, in coming episodes. But one of the greatest ways to help the show out is to send it directly to a friend. Y'all got family and friends who are beginning to wake up and question the reality around them, question the authorities that are telling them what to think. And what a better way to help them wake up than to send them an episode of Canary Cry News Talk or Canary Cry Radio. Uh, the best way to do that, the easiest way is to send them just straight up episodes, whether it be off the YouTube channel. I think it's better to share the podcasts because uh, a lot of people are more, you know, they can slowly make their way through a podcast while they're doing the dishes or something um, instead of having to watch a YouTube video. But uh, if you need more help on how to do that, here's what you do. You just walk right up to them, you grab them by the cage, and then you shake it. The end of the world occurred pretty much as we had predicted. I want to shake things up, stir up some controversy, rattle a few cages. Don't ever silence me. I'm the last angry man, a crusader for the little guy. Leave the bird alone. Never. Rattle a few cages. Oops. I Whoa. totally screwed that up. Whoopsies. The human race has every oh, man. opportunity to <laughs> Jingle extravaganza. Sorry. Yeah, listen to you go there. Well, that's okay. Thanks, everybody, for listening to the show. We appreciate it so, so much. And uh, make sure to tune in on Monday because we'll be back. And make sure to stick around now. We got the uh, CCR mixtape at the end of the show here. So stick around. Some great work by some producers just like you. And remember, help produce the show. Patreon.com slash CCNT and CanaryCryRadio.com slash support. Thank you guys so much. We'll see you next time but until then think outside the cage I want to rattle a few cages. I want to rattle a few cages. I'm the last angry man. You'll never silence I'm me. I'm the last angry man. Oh, 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 I I'm the last angry man. You'll never silence I'm me. I'm the last angry man. A crusader for the little guy. Little guy. Little guy. Well, we'll see about that. Whatever, Illuminati. In the future, humans will be confined in a people's zoo. People, I'll keep you safe and The camera's on
can't deal with it right now, Basil. Son of a beasting. Zoo.